Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. I can't believe it. I almost missed my own show because I was arguing with a bunch of delusional DeSantis supporters. That's what I, I think I should start calling that the delusional DeSantis, the sanctimonious folks. No, but it's, it's just wild, but they don't see. Total misstatement of facts, total distortions, total everything else. Um, it, it's really kind of funny. So that's something we need to definitely need to talk about is that, uh, you know, if the Republican Party were a real party, they would be completely backing Trump. They would be completely attacking Joe Biden, but they're not. They're completely backing Joe Biden. They're completely attacking Trump. You know, it's like they're they're supporting their their uh, opposition and uh, going after their own people. So it's it's really kind of fascinating. Well, let's let's talk about this and other things with uh, Brianna Cannon on government inquiry. She started as a guest on Action Radio, courtesy of our Constitution reporter Amber Kemper. Both Brianna and Amber are graduates of Patriot Academy, a place where young folks get to practice writing and advocating legislation and being legislators in a mock session. Brianna immediately impressed all of us as someone we wanted on the show with her own report. With an insightful mind, asking and taking on complex questions, and a growing skill in sarcasm and satire, plus her study of government, history, the Constitution, and our founding, all of her skills and knowledge combined into something pretty incredible here on Action Radio. And now... The Government Inquiry Report with Brianna Cannon. I keep forgetting how good that, that theme makes you sound. Well, I, I'd start listening to you. <laughs> good morning, Brianna. Good morning. So any, any great revelations of uh, Labor Day stuff as you are, are, I guess, not quite, but soon to be ready for the, 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 the working market, the laboring, uh, all that kind of good stuff that uh, occupies most people from, what, I don't know, well, I guess early teenage years all the way through retirement. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of one of those those big lifetime things. Any, any reflections, revelations, any uh, thoughts on Labor Day? Um, no, not any revelations or anything. Okay, I'm just curious. Because we, a lot of times, we were live yesterday. A lot of times we do a, a labor show. Actually, I've been doing it for years. Labor history, uh, the company towns, the Pinkertons, the people that were shot online, the, the benefits that people don't realize uh, because of, of labor unions. And I was a teamster for, for 10 years. So, you know, I know of what I speak. Um, and not kind of the, the Democrat, people just think of the Democrat influence. And, and that's part of it, but that's not what the real uh, emphasis of labor unions is, which is equalizing the worker with uh, management. And that, uh, you know, one worker bargaining with a whole company is absurd. The company wins. Whereas one worker bargaining with a union against the company, well, now you got some kind of equality. And that's the whole basis of it. But uh, a lot of conservatives don't understand uh, the difference, especially between private unions and um, government unions. Now, I, I, government unions disgust me. There's, there's no reason for them to exist. I would make them all illegal. But private unions, I don't have a problem with. Um, having worked, you know, for some pretty awful jobs. Uh, and as a, and worked as a union person and a non-union person. Trust me, working as a union person is better. Um, that's why a lot of folks are in unions. Everything from airline pilots to uh, you know plumbers, boilermakers, you know electricians, carpenters, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's uh, it's quite fascinating. But the eight-hour day, lunch, vacations, worker safety, um, overtime, all that stuff came from unions. And that's why I was curious, um, uh, especially as a conservative, is that has labor history ever been presented to you? 
I wasn't expecting to talk about this. This just popped in my head as, as we started talking. But uh, is that something um, that has been part of your study at all? Um, no, not in the context that you're talking about. Okay. Something to think about. Maybe I'll ask you next year and, uh, and, and see what you think. But I think a lot of people take for granted the union benefits. People were killed for these things. Uh, the Pinkertons, who are ex-World War One soldiers, you know, with uh, not much to do on their, you know, not, nothing better to do with their time, were actually hired by companies. Uh, miners were shot. Railroad workers were shot. Uh, different people. And, of course, Teamsters, you know, and other unions, AFL-CIO, they were, they were no, you know, <laughs> sweet baby cakes either. They would slash tires and, you know, hurt people. I mean, it was a bad time. But it's, it's kind of one of those things that's not really that much known about, uh, especially by folks uh, today, because it's not really taught. And it should be taught. Because it's a brutal history. It's terrible. Do you know anything about child labor laws um, or some of those kind of things or the working conditions in factories? Yeah, I have more like generalized knowledge of it, though. Okay. Trivia question before we get started. Do you know the one industry that lobbied to get themselves exempt from the child labor laws? Um, like, am I guessing like a certain like occupation? Uh-huh. This is like a Jeopardy question, so I'll give you the background. Do, 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 do. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's an industry that it was exempt from child labor laws. Hmm. Hmm. You're going to laugh when you find I out. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Newspapers. 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 You know, the, 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 the paper boy, you know, the, the kid or girl. Oh, that, uh, that makes used sense. To, yeah. Used to deliver papers in the morning. That was the job. I mean, and then they had to go collect money. You know, for the papers they delivered, that was a job. Well, you know, eight-year-olds, ten-year-olds were doing that because they're exempt from child labor laws. It's the one industry that uh, was able to do that. If you tried to do something else, if you tried to make kids work in a bakery or, uh, you know, a flower shop or, uh, you know, I forbid, a factory, you know, some god-awful place like that, a mine, you, know, you couldn't do it. Um, but uh, after child labor laws came in, but you could, you could uh, have them deliver newspapers out in the freezing cold in Minnesota in a blizzard. Oh, got to get that paper through. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting. Anyway, what do you want to talk about today? How you been? What's going on? Um, pretty I've been really busy. Uh-huh. Anything you can tell us on the air, or is it uh, just like other stuff? You don't have to tell me. I'm just noticing. Um, yeah, I guess <laughs> I'm just involved in a lot and working on, like, college applications and such. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, don't tell us where you're applying yet, but let me know where you go <laughs> if, you, if you want to. I'd be curious. Okay. Or you can if you want. I'd be, I'd be curious what colleges you're looking into and why. Can I guess? Or, or should we save yeah. it for another time? Right, you want me to guess? Uh, sure. Okay, the first two that come to mind are Hillsdale and I think Liberty University. How am I doing? Yeah, I'm applying to Liberty. Okay. How about, because I don't know much about them, so that might make, make an interesting um, thing for us to take a look at. There's another school. Uh, is it St. John's that does classic education? These great books, they don't use textbooks. They only use original sources. I think they're out somewhere southwest. I think Utah possibly or maybe another state out west. Have you heard of them, St. John's? No, I haven't. Hmm. Put them on the list. Definitely worth looking into. Yeah, we should do college shows because it'd be very interesting to find out. We're um, already looking at the colleges. Which colleges actually teach real stuff? Which colleges are not, you know, leftist Marxist indoctrination centers where all the men are toxic and uh, um, all the white people are bad, <laughs> you know, and all that kind of stuff? It'd be really interesting to see 
uh, colleges that have more than you know one percent conservative professors, things like that. Be interesting to take a look at. Yeah, it it is kind of interesting. Like some of them, like I know um, gender is like a really like hot topic right now in society because of all the problems we've been having. And it's also something interesting on the applications. Like I did one for a Christian college. Mm-hmm. And it only had options of, like, male and female. Like, those were the only options, and you had to select one of them. Well, those are the only and options. And then you go to <laughs> which, is, which, is, which is interesting. Yeah, they didn't have, like, 15 choices. That's, that's, that's actually encouraging. Yeah, but then you go to another one that's not uh-huh. necessarily, like, Christian-based. And there's, like, 12 of them. And there's, like, an option for other, not listed, or whatever. Other? Also something. <laughs> on that same <laughs> wait, wait, one. Wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> there are 12 options beyond male and female, and then they stay other for, for things they haven't thought of yet? Yeah. Do you have those? Do you have that yeah. application? Oh, I, don't tell the school unless you want to. Well, I don't care. You can if you want. But I'd be, I'd be very <laughs> curious. Uh, let's hear the categories. Do you have it handy by, by chance? Um, I don't know. I might be able to pull it up. Okay. If you get, if you put a, make a big note for next week. I want to know the categories. This is hysterical. So, you know, the, the Supreme Court just passed, uh, passed, they just had an opinion that affirmative action's out. Are there affirmative action questions? Well, that's an affirmative action question, male or female. Did they ask skin color, um, racial identity? I don't know, they ask, yeah, they ask that, and they ask, like, your ethnic background, and then they ask, like, what region? I remember, okay, so I was doing it, and I clicked white, and the only options were Europe and Middle East or other. Well, Middle Americans. Easterns aren't white. Like the only whites in the Middle East are in Jerusalem or in Israel. <laughs> so I don't know, not a lot of people in the Middle East, which yeah. is kind of funny. So that was yeah. that was kind of funny. I was like, why isn't there any American option here? But the the well, only one that had the option, like American, technically, I guess, if you were like Native American or if you chose black, but the only hmm. ones that had an American option. Okay. Well, Hispanics are technically white, though, when you think about it, because you were talking Spanish and, and, and Native folks uh, from different different places, Central and South America. But I think genetic, well, I don't know, because Indians are considered white genetically, too. There's only three races. If you get down to the science of it, it's, it's white, black, and Asian. Those are the three racial bases for all people. And, and I, I think probably, uh, I guess, American Indian would be the other one. And the reason I say American Indian is, is that's what uh, we say, you know, we had our American Indian, the Creek Report. So uh, Native American is too general. In fact, Native Americans don't like the term Native American. They prefer American Indian, which is kind of interesting. Um, but uh, I put down uh, Native American now or American Indian because I was um, brought into the, the Creek tribe here. They made me a member, which is like this huge honor uh, because they put uh, uh, the Creek tribe on the radio and nobody else would or did. Maybe it's not that they wouldn't. It's just they didn't. And I reached out, you know, it took me about a year <laughs> to gain trust and get, uh, get our local Creek tribe on the radio. And then after a while, I couldn't shut them up. <laughs> it was great. But uh, I got to get Chief Dan back. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting. So that's, but technically the racial groups, uh, I think scientific definitions is white, black, and Asian. Uh, and everybody's derived from there somehow. It's kind of, yeah. Huh. Okay. What else have they got? Yeah. This is interesting. So they sort of ethnic. What, what, so all right, what's the difference between nationality and ethnic? I guess you can be an Israeli national and an Arab ethnic. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, my problem is, you know, lineage can go so far back where we don't really know. I mean, we could have parts of every area of the world, you mm-hmm. know. And so, like, where the ethnic background is, 
you know, it's mm-hmm. really hard to decipher for individuals. And so you kind of just choose, like, the closest one that you can guess. But, like, even if you're just, like, your direct parents, like, a lot of times it's just Americans or even your grandparents, even great-grandparents sometimes is just Americans. But after that, they may have come from a different country or something. So, you know, it gets really complicated in those areas. So it's really well, this, just a stupid question. Uh, it gets worse, too, because a lot of folks um, – especially uh, black activists, black, what I would call black supremacists, argue that slavery gets in your genes and it affects you today and, and it makes a permanent victim. I think it's a bunch of hogwash myself. Uh, I'm not too sure what hogwash is now that I think about it, but we'll, we'll think of that another time. But how much effect does your ancestry have? Like my ancestry goes back to, you know, ancient Greece. You know, I think the Athenians, you know, some folks were beat up by the Spartans. Should I hold a grudge for 2,000 years? I don't think so. You know, uh, it, it, people that say, "Well, I'm Scottish and Irish." Really? Uh, and and how much uh, how much do you know of the Scottish heather or you know the Irish uh, the, the green of the Irish landscape? I mean, do they know? No, they don't know anything about it. How many African Americans know anything about Africa? You know, how many uh, uh, Hispanics know about uh, the Spanish and uh, the the native folks for you know the combination, the history? They don't. It's a label, and it's it's fascinating. But all, all these folks have been Americanized. So if you're Irish American, you're American, but you have very little in common with, with, with the Irish, real Irish, because the real Irish don't celebrate St. Patrick's Day, for example. So it becomes a political ancestry. So how far back do you think it goes? How much, I mean, how, you know, I guess parents, grandparents, but if you get much beyond that, how much impact does that really have on your life and, and, your, and your, your personality? I mean, your, your, you know, the culture and things like that. I don't think it goes back as far, anywhere near back as far as people are claiming. Yeah, I think there's some aspects of, like, culture and stuff that you might still have, especially um, if you're more in touch with it. But mm-hmm. on a majority level, you know, you generally have bits and pieces unless you actually still live in that culture or in that region or area. Mm-hmm. And a lot mm-hmm. of times it changes as well over time. So even that area is different than the culture would have been, like, 30 years ago or stuff. So because everywhere is different. But also, it's kind of like you were saying, every single person on this earth with, like, their heritage and background or whatever could go back in their lineage to a time where some of their ancestors were um, done wrong by somebody, you know, whether that was by their race, by their religion, by just where they were at the time. I mean, everybody has conquered everybody, <laughs> you know, like, there's, there's always been <laughs> at some point, yeah, you're problems. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like we're not just going to let the world go to chaos just because our ancestors deserved something in return for it. Like, no, like, suck it up. Like, do something (laughs) for yourself for a change. And it's it's funny and annoying and sad all at the same time whenever people complain about things like that. Hmm. Well, like I say, I think they do it for political advantage. But some places in the world have have, uh, grudges that go back thousands of years. Look at the Jews and the Arabs in the Middle East, uh, the, the the Catholics and the and Protestants. Like the Sunnis and, and Shias. The, yeah, exactly. Sunni Shias, and I think there's a third in the Baath. Now, so who, who there's like three groups in Iraq. Iraq was a made-up country by Britain. They, they basically drew the borders. You got Sunni, Shia, and Kurds, all in Iraq. They don't get along <laughs> at all, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, which is kind of fascinating. Uh, even like I say, Catholics and Protestants. Look at Northern Ireland. You can find conflicts to go back uh, centuries. Look at uh, the Balkans, uh, Serbians, Croatians, Macedonians, um, Bosnia, Herzegovina, you know, all these countries here. Um, they, they, they've been at each other's throats for centuries, and they hold grudges for centuries. For what reason? Yeah. I don't know. 
Why? Get over it. You know, my uh, I, I give yeah. a perfect example. My father, uh, who is, is Australian Greek, right? Um, my folks have passed on now, but uh, he was he he hated the Turks, you know, because the Turks stole our land. You know, when like eighteen, you know, ninety or something. It's like, it's like, Dad, get over it. It's been a while, okay? You know, but he was he, he was serious about it, right? So is the Turks? They're evil people. They're they're this. They're that. I said, do you know any? No. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm like, you know, do you know any? Yeah, he's like, I'm eight years old. You know, this is the kind of conversations we used to have, right? But uh, he had real prejudice, and he tried to instill those prejudices in me. And I'm thinking, I've met some really nice Turkish people. They're kind of cool, you know. Uh, Muslim, different philosophy, different religion, but uh, they're interesting, you know, as most people in the world are. As, as I was a tour guide, and I met people literally from all over the world, except Antarctica. I think the, the North and South Pole is the only place I didn't talk to people from. But uh, I meet people from everywhere, and it's amazing how much people have in common. Yeah, the language, the different clothes, different things like that, but people are people around the world. It's really fascinating. So to have this grudge from my father try to instill in me, the Turks are evil. They stole our land. You know, geez, Dad, you want me to get it back? I mean, what, do, what do you want? <laughs> you know, but this goes on, and it's reflected in your college uh, things that when, they, when they want your ethnic background. Well, you know, excuse me, what's an ethnic background? I, I, I don't even know. Is it, is it a culture? Is it a, and why do they want to know? And how are they grouping people? And is this like backdoor affirmative action without them actually saying so? And if I put down Native American and they see a white guy showing up, are they going to say, oh, wait a minute, you lied on your application? Oh, yeah, here's my card. And I actually have one, too. Here's my Native American credentials. Okay, what are you going to say about that? So it's a fascinating thing. So what have you got from these, these applications? There's a lot of things we never intend on talking about, and all of a sudden we just rant for a while. It's, just, it's kind of fun. Yeah. Do you have some other revelations, or do we have a topic that you wanted to go to? Not necessarily either, but I don't know okay. if anything's brought up. But I saw the things of last week of the meeting summaries and stuff. See so if you want me to read that in the site. Which meeting summaries? What are we talking about? Get me caught up. Um, this is about Hawaii stuff. Yeah, let's talk Hawaii, because uh, I don't want to let that fade from view. The, what, what's the latest? What's going on with the governor and the land? And, you know, and uh, a lot of people still believe that this was done on purpose to create you know, a 15-minute island. And I'm not convinced of that. Uh, I, I tend to uh, – well, well there's, there's two things. Yeah, I yeah, did go ahead. see a report yeah, the other day. Um, mm-hmm. And somebody was coming out stating – I think there's some from like an energy company or something. I don't exactly know. I guess they're saying that the energy had been shut off a week before it happened or something like that. Now, I don't know if it's true or not, but I know that, that came out. Well, because one of the so, problems was they left the power know. on. And, you know, the power lines, when the yeah. power lines came down, they were still live. That was one of the problems. They, they did everything wrong. I mean, and this is, this is like the ultimate in bureaucratic incompetence. They left the power on. When the power lines came down, they turned the water off. <laughs> you know, they wouldn't even release the water because it was revered holy water or something like that. They didn't blast the sirens, which are used for emergencies when they had an emergency. I mean, what else went wrong? They didn't evacuate ahead of time. They had red flag warnings. Um, they didn't open the roads. They didn't prepare for an emergency. They didn't prepare with, you know, all kinds of different stuff. I mean, you name it. it, it it's like so many things went wrong. But again, is it incompetence or is it I by think design? That That's always the question. On purpose, definitely. I think really? the government's actions were on, or inaction was on purpose specifically. And I okay. don't know it for certain because it is just, you know, putting pieces together. But yeah. it does, because, I mean, 
you, I mean, unless you're just complete like moron, which is very, very possible. Yeah, that's I always mean, the possibility. Especially when everybody's employees. pressuring you to do all of these things. Like everybody's pressuring you. Everybody else in the world knows it, except for you. And and it's just kind of like either you're just a complete moron who doesn't speak English, or it's mm-hmm. on purpose. Yeah, um, I think government agencies are a lot mm-hmm. more. Um, not just not it's not stupid, but it's just that they don't care. They don't think. There's no looking ahead. People in government, there's a different attitude. Uh, people in a profit-making enterprise, they want to do well. They want to make more money. See, government people are going to make more money anyway. I mean, they they get regular raises. They don't even have to think, right? They get pensions. They get raises. They get protection. They get benefits if they're in a government union. I mean, they get all kinds of things they shouldn't get because it shouldn't be government unions. But they just have worked in government. I've worked in private industry. It's a completely different attitude. People in government, all they talk about is vacations, sick days, retirement, pensions. That's all they talk about. That's all they're there for. They're there for the sole purpose of not doing anything until they retire so they cannot do anything. It's really it's scary. It's like a whole lifetime of I want to do nothing so that I can do nothing and have everybody else pay for it. So if you, if you have that attitude, right? So why would you prepare? Why would you think ahead? Why would you get ready for an emergency? This is why they're always caught you know, short. And then, wow, we didn't know this was going to happen. This is climate change. This is something, you know, we had no control. We did the best we could. No, you didn't. I'll give you a perfect example. The, uh, this is back when I was living in uh, San Leandro, which is a little town south of Oakland. Uh, actually, it's the next town down. So I'm on San Francisco Bay, you know, bike riding, which I do a lot. And, uh, you know, it's a beautiful day and, uh, and I'm looking around and I'm always trying to see, you know, what's out of place. I'm one of these people that, you know, proactive. And so I'm looking around and I see a boat sitting in the channel, uh, anchored, just kind of sitting there, and it's directly on the flight path into Oakland Airport. I'm like, huh, this is unusual. <laughs> okay, so what's the best case scenario? They're lost. They're stupid. They're just hanging out. They're, they're in the wrong place. You're not supposed to park a boat you know, under the flight path of airplanes. Why? Because if you're a terrorist, that's how you're going to shoot them down. So that's the worst case scenario. So I'm looking at this. I'm, I'm looking around. Everybody just walking by. I say, hey, there's a boat there in the channel. Oh, okay. You know, I'm like, oh, wait a minute, because, <laughs> you know, me, I, I always go to, to uh, I'm thinking, well, what could, what could happen? Could be nothing, could be something. So I called the police and I said, uh, hey, San Leandro police, uh, we got a boat here in the channel, <laughs> you know, kind of close to Oakland Airport. Uh, I said, it's probably nothing, but, <laughs> you know, uh, if that was the terrorist, that's where I'd be, you know, and uh, they're like, oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, let's call the Coast Guard. So they called the Coast Guard. Uh, this is years ago, so uh, I'm sure they've improved the system since then. They called the Coast Guard. And we'll be right down. How long? 45 minutes. I said, what? <laughs> what do you mean 45 minutes? That's your response time? <laughs> Where are you? You know, uh, Oregon? <laughs> you know, so, uh, but, you know, you know, <laughs> and I'm sitting there. I'm, I, I'm on my cell phone, like, calling the, the – this, this is a true story, right? You know, so I'm calling them. The police actually are pretty – local police are pretty good. Uh, Coast Guard is pretty good. But here's the weird part. Oakland Airport, they've got their own security, all right? Now, uh, if I mention this, and, and uh, it, it's to help them. But this happened years ago. It was about – Back in California, this is about six or seven years ago. And so this apparently, as it turned out, and I didn't know this at the time, that boat was within their, their security zone. So somebody should have noticed that that boat was sitting there on a flight path. That's, what, that's their job. That's what it was supposed to do. But it, it's like the uh, people that look for, you know, things in your baggage. They see so many bags, they just get complacent. Oh, yeah, okay. not, when something actually goes by, that's how people can sneak guns through when they're doing security checks. They just sneak them in. Plain as day, they put a, put a gun in, you know, unloaded, obviously, but they put a gun in luggage just to see, just to test them and see if they catch it. A lot of times they don't, okay? Anyway, because uh, they only do things when they're told to. So, it's like, they do the drills very well. 
because they know it's a problem. They know what to look for. But when something happens for real and they don't know, they're useless. And so as it turns out, and here's where the story gets funny, uh, the boat started moving. And it's like, you know, okay, so they start heading in, into port. So here I am biking on this, uh, on this path, weaving around people, cell phone in one hand, you know, bike in the other hand. And I'm talking to them. I said, the boat's moving. What are you going to do? I'm going to follow them. I said, what? Okay, fine. Go. Keep track of it. Okay. So I'm on with the, <laughs> the San Leonardo police. San Leonardo police are talking to the Coast Guard. The Coast Guard is sending boats from across the bay, right? And so eventually I, I pull into this harbor, to, you know, and I'm watching the boat from a distance. And they're like, I said, what do you want? You want me to get closer? No, no, stay away. It could be a problem. Okay, well, it looks pretty harmless, but you never know. I said, okay, fine. So the police, actually the Coast Guard gets there and they board the boat. So they board the boat. And it turns out to be uh, an elderly couple that were stupid. They didn't know the rules. They didn't know where they were. They didn't know the channel. They just really weren't doing their job. They could have lost their boat. They could have gotten a, a $10,000 plus fine. Now, I, I guess Coast Guard said, okay, not a big problem. But here's what it really pointed out. What it pointed out was the response time sucked. And apparently there were conversations. And I talked to San Leonardo police. I talked to a, a lieutenant after I said, I said you going to do something about this? This response time was terrible. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so apparently, you know, <laughs> the next day or like Monday, uh, there were some big meetings, and they fixed it. But what it proves is that the government is, is ready for drills, but when something actually happens, they don't realize that this is real, that this could be a problem. So the, the connection between a, a boat in the channel and a possible terrorist attack never occurs to them. So the, the possibility of, of high winds in Maui, you know, creating down power lines and leaving the power on never occurs to them. They should turn the power off as a precaution just in case so they don't have fires. So there's this missing kind of gap. You see this in people's lives, too, because they never assume that anything – they don't think ahead. They, they're not proactive. They don't, see, say, they don't see something and then say something. It's not the problem saying something. They just don't even see it. And so I think this is how most government operates. What do you think? Does that make sense? It's kind of an interesting story. Yeah, that is interesting. It's very possible. Sometimes it might just be, um, I'm not saying a mass scenario, I'm saying it's like a general scenario. They don't want to see things or know things. Okay. But, yeah. It's hard to tell the difference, though. So in this scenario, I think they just, they had done their drills, and they were really good at their drills, but they never, they've never, not, they can't think on their feet. They can't handle something spontaneous that might be real. So the question in Maui, I'm sure if they had fire drills, they'd be fine. If they had, if, when they test their sirens every month, that goes well, because that's in their routine. But if they have to think that maybe hurricane force winds, which is what they had, they're 75 plus miles an hour, hurricanes, hurricane category one is 74 miles an hour. So they had hurricane force winds on Maui, and they never thought that maybe the lines would come down, and maybe they should turn the power off as a precaution, and maybe they should put an emergency broadcast to let the winds be too strong. We're turning your power off. Use your power now. You know, get your laundry and stuff done. Uh, we're turning it off uh, as of you know two in the afternoon because the winds will be too strong. That would have been a, you know that would have been foresight. So I don't think they have any foresight. So the question is, how much is it a lack of foresight, and how much do you think is done on purpose? That's going to be a tough question to answer. Give it a shot anyway. Tell me what you think. Yeah, um, I don't know, maybe. What do you think was purposeful? And let's, let's go for that then. I'll let, you, I'll let you think about I'll let you puzzle over that question. And now we have a bunch of stuff on our uh, Action Radio Special Investigations Project page. I have many stories on Maui, uh, and so feel free to peruse those. But what do you think was purposeful? What do, from your own well, investigations, what have you found so far? What do you think? So, um, and of course, this isn't proven. This is just kind of like theorized from it. But sure, as long as you like say that. The inaction. Uh, yeah, I don't the mind speculations. Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah, I think it was the inaction that is purposeful, like mm. um, kind of encouraging the chaos, I guess, is a way to put it. And why would they do that? And Well, I think it, for me, I think it ties into um, part of it is, like you said earlier, they just don't care. Um, part of it, I think it might be outside forces possibly, and like part what? of it maybe is um, – <laughs> like other governments, maybe um, okay. federal government, um, different leaders. I think part of it could be part of the uh, global um, smart city conspiracy okay. um, and What's the land grab that they're doing. And I know that the governor, I don't remember mm-hmm. his name. I can never remember the names of people. Yeah, he's, he's um, kind of The governor, though, <laughs> that guy. made an announcement of like doing like a big like land grab or something. A lot of people are afraid of like this huge land grab. And they're not, like, letting anybody come in for, like, their damages or insurance or nobody's allowed in for their properties. They can't go and get any of their stuff. But they have, like, FEMA and, like, three or four different government agencies. And um, they have the military all over there rummaging through all their stuff, but they can't go through their stuff. And um, they're buying up they're, – they're saying that their the government or the governor – as the governor administration is going to like buy up the land to help all these people. Oh, I don't know if that's really going to help because I'm pretty sure the land is still theirs and they can't actually buy up all of their land. So some of the things people are throwing out is it's just kind of like a cheap land grab that they're trying to do so they can build a smart city. That's one of the conspiracies of it. Do you think that's likely? Probably. Okay. I wouldn't put it past I honestly at this point through everything that they've been trying, I wouldn't put it past them. But yeah. of course it's not completely proven. Oh no, that's okay. And like I say, it, it, we speculate all the time on the show. That's that's part of the fun of it. And so a lot of times you can't prove it. You know, but, uh, yeah. but uh, do you know how like in evidence, uh, this would be a Jonathan Mosley question. Circumstantial evidence. We don't actually know for sure, but the circumstances show that, you know, uh, if somebody, in other words, you may not have seen, you know, the, the proverbial smoking gun, but if there are only two people in a place and one of them is dead and the other one uh, walks out, you know, alive and, uh, you know, we don't know that that person killed that other person, but that other person is dead. Nobody else is around. There's no possible explanation for anything else except for that one person uh, who happens to be really, you know, who carries a knife normally. <laughs> I mean, I mean yeah, circumstances, it looks, yeah, you look, uh, you know, and then you put enough evidence together that uh, it couldn't have been any other possibility. Circumstance, let me look up circumstantial evidence because that's pretty much what we're going by here. Definition yeah, I mean, you kind of look at it like one of the most um, common examples that a lot of people can, I guess, understand is, you know, Nazi Germany. And uh-huh. goes, oh, no, that's not going to happen. Oh, no, that's never going to happen. Oh, no, that's not it. And, of course, it was bit by bit. It was in small amounts of, you know, persecuting the Jews and everything. And they're like, oh, no, no, it's, gonna, it's not going to go further than this. And this is just like an isolated event. This has nothing to do with this or something. Right. And then it all builds up until it's like they can't do anything because they deny what's in front of them for so long. And, of course, mm-hmm. you know, through one or two or three or four events, you can't just say, oh, look, we have all the proof that this is going to happen, you know. But obviously, you know, you add it up to all together, then you can probably make a calculated decision on, you know, resisting that or the likelihood of chances or not and different things like that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, circumstantial evidence. Evidence not bearing directly on the fact in dispute, but instead on attendant circumstance, such as if his blood type or shoe size from which the judge or jury might infer the occur- occurrence of the fact in dispute. So if we're going to take circumstantial evidence, the circumstances are we know the left wants land. We know the left wants to uh, control everything. <laughs> we know that the, these 15-minute cities, the, the idea of these communities, which I've heard about since the 90s, used to be called smart growth. Same thing, different name, just like climate change. Used to be global warming. Used to be global cooling. Doesn't matter. It's all it's all communism through a fear of a of a cataclysmic weather event or or change. Uh, it's all the same thing, right? So circumstantial evidence, you know, kind of comes into play. Like take Nazi Germany. So if you're in Nazi Germany, in mid, so in 1935, Hitler's starting to rise to power, and you think, oh, gee, you know, he wants to uh, he wants to nationalize things, you know, healthcare. Uh, you know, the economy. Oh, that seems interesting. Where have we seen that before? Oh, I don't know. Dictatorships. You know, and then later on, well, he wants to, uh, you know, take the guns uh, or register all the guns. Well, what does that lead to? Well, confiscation. Okay, so now we're building a circumstance. Start seeing a pattern, right? And he says, well, you know, dictators seem to do a lot of this stuff. Maybe, uh, maybe he's not such a benevolent person. And, you know, and eventually, you, you know, and by the time you realize that there's a full dictatorship in place, which was Germany elected Hitler. People forget that. He was democratically elected. So much for democracies. Um, you know, but uh, and they even had a constitution which he immediately tossed because it had an uh, it had an emergency clause. In the event of an emergency, we can suspend the constitution. Idiots. <laughs> That's why we don't have an emergency clause in our constitution. But uh, yeah, so the you, you put the circumstances together and you go, you know, it looks like a dictatorship. It's acting like a dictatorship. It's probably going to become a dictatorship, but you can't prove it until it is a dictatorship. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. So the same thing here. It looks like there's a land grab. It looks like uh, these people are either incompetent or by design allowed Maui to burn. Now, why Maui? What's uh, we got a bunch of Hawaiian islands. You know, the big ones, uh, Oahu. Oahu's got all the people. So why Maui? What is it about Maui that's different than Kauai, Molokai, Oahu, the big island, which is volcanoes? I think it blamed all the volcanoes, actually. Well, volcano, you know, lava, you know, start a massive fire. It's not our fault. Wind, lava, you know, nature, climate change. Why Maui? Yeah. I don't want to run out of time this time, so I want to go ahead and read these. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you don't run out of time. Yeah, yes, I'm glad you mentioned that. Sorry, I get carried yeah. away. See, I don't so know your there's schedule. There's a lot, and so there's some. So, yeah, so yeah, feel free to Yeah, there's some that I won't get to. But, so okay. I opened this um, link within the uh, – this is from the January meeting, and they went like an overview of it, and then I pushed this link. And so this is what this – can you hear me all right? I yeah, you're fine. Spot, so. No, you're, you're, you're doing fine. Yeah. Okay. So I went to it, and like the main part of it says, hicss.hawaii.edu, and then there's the rest of it and everything. And basically um, – H-I-C-S-S, I don't know, it says Schindler College of Business. And it says Digital Government. And then it has track chairs and it has two people. Somebody named Mila Gasco Hernandez and Christian Schoep or something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, it says Digital Government is multidisciplinary research domain that studies the use of information and technology in the context of public policymaking, Government operations, government transformation, citizen engagement and interaction, and government services. Numerous disciplines contribute to this intersection of research, such as computer science, information systems, information science, political science, public policy, organizational sciences, 
which include public administration and business administration, sociology, and psychology, among others. The HICSS Digital Government Track is a venue for groundbreaking studies and new ideas in this particular research domain. Many studies first presented here develop further and then turn into publications at top journals. Many tracks cover the full spectrum of research avenues of digital government, including emerging topics, policies and strategies for digital government, the digital divide, and most recently, government and disaster, resiliency, and business process management. The HICSS Digital Government Track has gained an excellent reputation among digital government scholars and a large academic community. It serves as a rigorous and valuable research venue on digital government, bringing together an international community of scholars to discuss the state of digital government throughout the world. And there's a bunch more on it. You said digital government about 30 times. So let's talk about what that is. What's that? Mm-hmm. So basically it means it's like a transformed government of like a globalization power through the use of technology. So basically the government will use all this technology to track. Basically everything that they listed will be tracked through this kind of process. Okay. Um, everything will be done. Like at the first it says the use of information and technology and the mm-hmm. context of. And it will use information technology on a global scale to influence mm. public policy making, government operations, and everything else that I listed. And one of the things that was in there that's different than the others, well, kind of the same, was like sociology and psychology. And so Ooh. there's a bunch of other things in it that this can be used for. So, so how, do the, how does sociology and And this was attached to the, um, yeah, let me go back to the page that I got this from, because it was like a, yeah. a link to the window. It's like, okay, okay so it's yeah. um, the website is lists.aisnet.org, and then there's, like, stuff afterwards. But it's AIS World. I don't know what AIS stands for, though. And it says CFP, Hawaii International Conference on System Sciences, HICSS56. And HICSS is the site that I just went into. And it says Maui, Hawaii, January 3rd through 6th of 2023. So that was January of this year. Mm-hmm. And then it has some other um, links to different things as well. Well, now we know why Maui. International Conference. Yeah. So it says digital government track. Smart and con- smart and connected cities and communities mini track. And that's where I got the link. And then further down it says, and this is from the um, meeting in Maui in January. It says, cities and communities around the world are entering a new era of transformation in which residents and their surrounding environments are increasingly connected through rapidly changing intelligent technologies, sometimes called smart technologies. Mm, this transformation, yeah. which has become smart a growth. top priority for many cities <laughs> and yeah. other local governments, offers a great promise for improved well-being and prosperity, but also poses significant challenges at the complex intersection of technology and society. A smart and connected community can be conceptualized as one of the synergistically integrates intelligent technologies with the natural and built environments to improve social, economic, and environmental well-being. Sounds like like Agenda 2030 in that sense. It sounds like a lot of things I've heard before. Travel within it. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. it does sound a lot. Building on the notion of community informatics, 
Smart mm-hmm. communities can be seen as enabling and empowering citizens and supporting the individual and communal quests for well-being. Wait, wait, individual and communal? Okay, uh, let me th- th- Those are incompatible. <laughs> you can't do the individual and communal. <laughs> that, that's, the, that's the first red flag. Well, yeah. But, yeah. But there's many more. Is there more to that? Because I, I got, a, I got a, a quick comment for you. Well, quick for me. Oh, yeah, there's, there's more. But you might want to do your quick comment now. You might have <laughs> yeah. a lot more as it goes on. Well, yeah, sure. The first thing I want to say is uh, you may want to post an agenda because your, your report is, is probably has more information than, than anybody else's in terms of uh, uh, information as opposed to discussion, which is, which is great. And so I don't want to shortchange you on time on any of your reports for stuff that you want to talk about. So that's the first thing. So please let me know. This is your report. So uh, you're free to talk about as much of it and whatever you want. The second thing is this is the same old garbage I've heard since the 90s. Probably goes back to the 70s with Leonard Nimoy and you know his famous video of a nuclear winter and you know we're all going to die of the cold well that didn't work so then they, they switched it to die of the heat um, but the 90s if you go back to the 90s uh, look up smart growth and infill and uh, these these urban centers it's exactly the same thing we talk about now with the, it's the same thing as a 15-minute city so they've changed the name but they haven't changed the philosophy and it always comes down to the same thing communism no you know individual cars no in single family homes no roadways no parking this is why the cities are all going to bicycles like china so they, they take away all your freedom, take away your transportation, take away your, your living, and now they're taking away our energy. You know, gas stoves, ceiling fans, all this other light bulbs. So it's all communism. You, this is how you will live. You know, and it's all the same thing. And whether they call it climate change or 15-minute cities or smart growth, or, or it all comes under uh, – here's something, and this is something that started in the 1930s, and this is something Patrick Wood taught me. So you want to look up Patrick Wood. Uh, he has uh, he, he calls it technocracy, which is the merging of technology and bureaucracy. It's really kind of clever. But these are technocrats. They believe they know how to run the world. They create systems for running the world. They create a way um, that is perfect for them to manage the world. Well, see, the thing is, the world works just fine if you leave it alone. It really does. You know, we can absorb volcanoes. You know, we can handle yeah. floods. We can do all. I mean, the world goes on. CO2, carbon dioxide, there's a carbon cycle, okay? So God's already given us a carbon cycle. We don't need a bunch of idiots saying that we're going to take carbon out of the atmosphere. That's just nonsense. If it wasn't for the Industrial Revolution, we'd all be dead by now. Uh Uh-huh. Go ahead. Have you heard of John Rich before? He's a singer. No. No. Okay, he has the most hilarious songs. And um, one of the ones is called Progress. Oh, I think and in the offended? progress song, he basically says, you know, we're better off if you just leave us alone. We'll all be fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We are. Well, I learned that a long time ago. See, I was raised in a, in a socialist Marxist, uh, you know, ultra-feminist, you know, man-hating family. <laughs> I mean, that's how I started, right? And I, and I started questioning this. I said, this is ridiculous. So I was, I was raised that I had to save the world. So I know exactly what leftists go through because that's how it is. And uh, going to Washington, going to college, um, going to uh, crossing the Berlin Wall, if you want to look that up in history, you know, convinced me that everything I've been taught so far was a lie. <laughs> and then I realized, so I, better, I better give myself a new education here because this, what I've been told just isn't reality. It isn't working. What I realized, I didn't have to save the world. The world's doing just fine. I should enjoy myself, work hard, uh, and uh, do things like create freedom and, and you know, contribute something to the world. But I didn't need to save the world. Okay? That was just arrogant. And so, but these people actually believe, they still believe that we need to save the world. We know better. We have to stop conservatives. They're going to kill everybody. No, we're not because we're all about freedom. But it's the, the, the danger is the people that want to control and the people that want to be left alone have to fight a lot harder. You really have to fight hard to be left alone. And that's, a, that's what we're doing here. But those that want to control, it's a mindset. It starts at birth. 
uh, Michael Savage talks about red diaper doper babies. You know, uh, so so from from the from the moment of birth, they are conditioned to believe that uh, they are right. They have to save the world, and anybody who disagrees is an idiot and dangerous. It's their mindset. So yeah. if you talk to these, I if you talk to these people, people that would go, go around and they uh-huh. just chant. Sometimes like by themselves. Sometimes in like groups and stuff. It's like kill all men, kill all men, kill all men. Like, who says that? <laughs> but kids at school. Kill all men. Really. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Uh, ask them if they include something that, that was interesting. <laughs> you know, to, I, mean, I mean, just just for the fun of it, if you're, you know, does that include black men? One or two of them were actually you know? guys that were saying it, but they thought they really? were girls. Like, oh, yes. They thought they were girls? But, oh, you do have an interesting yeah. crowd. Are these friends of yours, or are this just, just uh, thoughts of, of younger oh, folks? Oh, no. Yeah. What? Yeah, just, yeah. It's part of the generation. Um, interesting. It, um, okay, so what kill I was saying is something interesting I was going to say. Oh, that's, oh, that's yeah, fascinating. Okay. I'm so back so to kill all men. That's, that's funny as hell. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, something I found that was interesting was, and some of these things, that a lot of times these people that are going to these protests, that's all these people, mm-hmm. you know, fighting for the environment, shut down oil and all this, mm. none of them are the people that will go around and pick up trash in their community. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the ideal... I mean, they got the right thought. And Rush Limbaugh was fond of saying, you know, if they think about it, uh, then it's real. <laughs> if their intentions are good, then that's all that is necessary. They've accomplished <laughs> something. But the same people, just as the same people that would go to a climate change conference in a private jet, uh, would drive to a protest on oil. <laughs> it, it, it would never occur to them that, 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 that something's wrong. You know, my environmental uh, uh, teacher, uh, I had an ecology course in, in high school, and he drove the, the biggest, you know, 1970s station wagon you can imagine. It got like five miles to the gallon, right? But this is like, I got a family, this is what I do. You know, and then he was teaching ecology. Uh, and, and the, the point of that was kind of lost on him. But uh, the point of this is lost on all these folks. But they want control. The, the, the reasons, this whole 50-minute cities and everything else, it all comes down to control. You have to live the way we tell you to live because we know better than you. Yeah, well, that's Marx. Well, no, that's no Marx was uh, the end. The ends justify the means. Now, the means to an end is different. Are you talking yeah. about the means to. So, I think I think you mean the ends justify the means. I think. So, in other words, our goal. No, I mean is, like. I wasn't like doing like a philosophical thing. I was just like using it like in place. Like everything that they're doing is means to get to an end result. Mm-hmm. But do the means justify? Not saying the it's ends. good or bad or whatever. That's just what they're doing. Yeah. So in other words, if you have to kill a million people to create your utopia, have you done the right thing? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the answer is no. <laughs> you know, I mean, Dr. Fascist killed a million people in this country and is going to kill, I don't know how many more with the COVID shots, but he killed a million people by denying treatment that was life-saving. Okay. Now, if a doctor denies life-saving treatment, they go to jail for the rest of their life. If Dr. Fascist denies life-saving treatment and information, you know, he, he gets uh, awarded as a hero. You know, it's like the old saying, yeah. you kill one person, you're a murderer. If you kill 100 people, you're a folk hero. It's, it's a fascinating uh, thing really of human nature. Is he really wanted for, like, crimes against humanities right now? Absolutely. I mean, technically, I guess yeah. it should be. But... Sure. Well, think about but it. I'm going to finish you... um, up this part because there's not yep. – I skipped a lot of the part and the – or I skipped some of the parts in this. But I'm going to go over this last part. And then I'll go over to the one for um, September 25th. So this mm-hmm. one um, they're going to have in Honolulu. So that's mm. the other one, though. When it's talking about the mini track, which was the HCISS site that I was talking about at the very beginning, mm-hmm. 
is if this main track aims at exploring these issues, paying particular attention to the challenges of smart cities and smart communities, as well as the impact of these initiatives to understand how new technologies can shape the social sustainability, livability of the, of the local communities, and the well-being of its residents. It also focuses on smart public administration, smart community, oh, no, also focuses on an orchestrated interplay and balance of smart governance practices, smart public administration, smart communities, smart resources, and talent leverage in urban, rural, and regional spaces facilitated by novel uses of ICT and other technologies. And this kind of goes back to where they're talking about the HCIS of what you're saying, like what is the digital government? And that's mm -hmm. kind of what this is talking okay. about. This is the digital government. It says, as a result, areas of focus and interest to this mini track include, but are not limited to, the following topics. Taxonomies of smart cities and communities. What What's is a taxonomy? taxonomy? It looks like tax economy. Yeah, no, no, I don't let's know. look it up. Let's, let's, uh, yeah, let's find out. I've got my uh, my online dictionary, which is not always accurate. Taxonomy. <laughs> interesting. I have the mouse on my right hand, keyboard on my left hand, microphone in the middle. It's interesting. Ah, here we go. Taxonomy, the branch of science concerned with classification, especially of organisms. Systematics. Oh, taxidermy is like you know stuffing dead things. Taxonomy, classification of something, especially organisms. Okay, so. So they're classifying. So, so it would be a way of classifying, I guess, smart cities versus dumb cities. You know, classifying. Uh, and I don't, this word "unlivable" came up. So we have to make the cities livable. Well, what makes what makes them unlivable before? So, in other words, cities have been going for centuries, thousands of years. Take Rome for example. How long has Rome been around? You know, how about Cairo? <laughs> you know, let's talk about some ancient cities here. You know, uh, um, what's the uh, center of Iraq? Baghdad. That has been around since what? Mesopotamia? I think it's or, livable you know. to their standards. Ah. It's like the government will create the new moral standard. They'll tell you what's sustainable. They'll tell you what's livable. They'll tell you everything that you need to know, even though it's really just everything that they want you to know. But the fact that these cities have sustained for tens of years, thousands, hundreds of years, thousands of years, does that not empirically say that they are, in fact, sustainable? Yeah, but that's the difference between intelligence and submission. Oh, that was the most brilliant thing I think I've ever heard. Yeah, exactly. You got to make a bumper sticker of that. It's true. <laughs> Did you write that? That's good. Put that in somewhere. We got to. You got to put that on our Facebook pages. Actually, if you want, uh, all these articles yeah. that you're, you're talking about should go on our special investigations project because uh, that way folks can research and read the stuff that we read. Yeah. Okay. Say yeah. that again. Say that again. I mean, it's all open again? to the public, so yeah. Yeah. Um. I'm going to finish these points and go into the one for this month. Okay. So it says, smart governance is the foundation to creating smart urban and regional spaces, elements, prerequisites, and principles of smart government. Mm -hmm. um, smart government focal areas, current practices, cases, potential pitfalls, smart partnerships, triple, quadruple, quintuple, helix, what on earth, public-private partnerships, and citizen <laughs> like DNA. In other words, this is vital to us as DNA, the double helix. Now we're going to do a quadruple helix, which is twice as important as a double helix. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just speculating here. Okay, here's this one. It's the impact of a digital transformation on the change of citizens' role in the city. Hmm. Smart, so instead, citizens will have the role, which is interesting. 
Um, the oh, citizens have a role. Cases, okay, so rankings, no, no. comparisons, That's critical. and critical success factors. No, you just said citizens have a role. In other words, citizens are not unique unto themselves. They are not individuals. They are part of the collective in order to make a exactly. smart city. Communism. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Um, but what I'm thinking is, uh, is the, the mindset is that there's someone, there's someone else in charge. So citizens have no free will anymore. <laughs> You know, and it's the same old stuff we hear all the exactly. time. Exactly. Uh, you never hear the We're word freedom. To God. Yeah. You never hear God. You never hear freedom. You never hear individual. You never hear rights. I haven't heard the term rights yet. I've never heard self-determination. I've, I haven't heard prosperity. I haven't heard wealth. I haven't heard property. I haven't heard, um, you know, advancement. I haven't heard income. I haven't heard anything that us normal folks talk about. Everything they're talking about is a systemized, it's like a digitalized government. In other words, it's automatic. It's so automatic, you can't touch it. Because you can't go against the system. We've already programmed the government. You have no say anymore. It's done for you. Yeah, it's like and the government is going to manufacture the technology that tells uh-huh. you absolutely everything you need to know and uh-huh. basically runs your life for you. Yep. So what is really sustainable? What I think there's, what is sustainable is the government. So when they talk about something being sustainable, resources, all that kind of stuff, what they're really talking about is their government power, making their government power sustainable. In other words, untouchable. Because if anybody challenges, yeah. if anybody comes up with rights or things like that, you know, so wait a minute, you know, I'm a human, I've got rights, you know, that, that, that is not sustainable for government power. Why is it that the coup, the January 6th coup, the coup d'etat done by the Democrats and the weak Republicans that put uh, Brandon in the White House illegally, why do they challenge everybody that says they're put there illegally? Because that would make them non-sustainable. They would be non-sustainable if everybody challenged them. Remember that article I just wrote? Everybody needs a, you know, the I am Spartacus moment where everybody has to say and declare that, um, that this government's illegal, that it was stolen. If everybody did it, you know, they wouldn't be prosecuting Trump. They'd have to prosecute everybody. Now, I've already declared it. But you know where that article went? Nowhere. Didn't go viral. Didn't go anywhere. Why? Because people don't believe it. They don't understand. They don't understand that they have to stand with Trump now. They don't understand that they have to declare this government illegal. They, they, they don't understand that if they don't stand now, they, they're going to be kneeling later to a digital government yeah. that's sustainable for itself. Yeah. Back to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I sent it out, but I didn't get any feedback from it. And I like, asked him, oh. but I, know, I might try it again. Yeah, there's a deplorable uh, lack of initiative on the part of conservatives to save themselves. They would rather complain. I think conservatives would rather complain and, uh, you know, walk into a gulag complaining still than actually destroy the gulag. <coughs> That's my cynical side. Yeah, probably. Um, but I'm going to finish these before I run out of time. Go. Um, okay. Uh, emerging, okay, benefits of impact of... Okay, smart cities, communities, and regions, cases, rankings, comparisons, and critical success factors, which are obviously determined by the government, benefits mm-hmm. of the impact of emerging technologies on citizens, local communities, and then here's one that you were talking about, collective intelligence. For smart oh, cities isn't that interesting? Tell, tell me about that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's also, this is this own boat plan. They have to it. Isn't but of it course, scary they're probably not right. launching it. Yeah, these people are so predictable. We know what they're going to say in advance. This is hysterical. Yeah, emerging technologies and smart cities and communities, which is artificial intelligence, big data, open data, open government, social media, and networks, chatbots, etc. 
smart governance in cities and communities in the age of emerging technologies, management of smart city communities, outcomes, the role of digital technologies in both increasing livability and improving social sustainability and inequalities. Urban oh. rural urban rural gaps in smart communities. Resilience and sustainability capacity. How about the inequality between the individual and government? Did I ask a bad question? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's an inequality. They're, they don't yeah. want individuals. Exactly. Innovative solutions, building yeah. knowledge societies for smart cities and communities. Whose knowledge? See, everything, is, everything gets called <clears throat> the government's Whose knowledge? knowledge. Their knowledge, exactly. So what do the schools do? They indoctrinate with the knowledge they want you to have. So in other words, you're not educated unless you know what they want you to know, unless you believe what they want you to believe. That's what they call educated. So when the left says, you've got to get educated, they don't mean that. What they really mean is you've got to get indoctrinated. So like, everything's in code. Everything is a separate language. Hey, I got a, a weird thought occurred to me as I was doing this. Um, are you sending in your links to your broadcasts in your college applications? You don't have to answer that if you don't want to. But I would think that would be a huge asset for you. You've got a pretty good broadcast record already. Multiple hours on an international radio show. Not a lot of folks are going to have that on their resume. You do. Just a thought. Yeah, I mean, I haven't added the links, but yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah, what you might want to do, uh, so what you want to do is... Okay, well, here's something to think about. Talk it over with the the family. But uh, you can find, if you go to the top of any broadcast page, you'll see a search window in the center. You put Action Radio, comma, Brianna Cannon. And every one of your shows should pop up. It'd probably be a couple of pages worth. Just, Just go through it, copy the links. And, you know, and you can say broadcast record available or links to my, uh, in my action radio report available, the government inquiry report. And this is serious resume material. Not everybody gets to do this. How many teenagers do you think broadcast worldwide? Not a lot. <laughs> I mean, we just got Armenia back on the list. Yeah. Do you know where you go? Do you know where your voice goes? Iceland, Belarus. I used to go to Sri Lanka, working on getting them back. You know, uh, Chile, Argentina, Australia, New Zealand. Um, weird places, <laughs> you know, it's fascinating. South Korea, Japan, <laughs> you know, you're all over, uh, we just lost Poland, but uh, all over Western Europe, Russia, China, India, I mean, those are millions of people. I don't know how many millions are listening, but, um, you know, I mean, this is, uh, this is a pretty cool opportunity, I think for you. And this is why I love having you on. Believe me, you've earned it. I'm not, this isn't a special privilege, you know, but this is, this is something that you've definitely earned, but I think you might as well maximize this opportunity and tell college. I'm hoping you'll stay being able to broadcast with us while you're in college, especially doing a college report. That'd be funny. Um, but also, <laughs> but also to, uh, to maybe work with a college radio station. I don't know how much you want to do with broadcasting. Uh, we should probably talk off the air. Um, but uh, this is, but an internship, you know, you should get academic credit for this, especially if you keep up the report. While you're in college, you know, make it work for you. There's this like this is there's huge opportunities from this, I think. I mean, you're good at it, and you're really good at it. So, all right. Yeah. In fact, right. I'm going to give you. In fact, I'm going to give you a round of applause. <laughs> See, the audience likes you too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So we've got a couple minutes left before Josie. To see if I can before, yeah, yeah before right. Josie comes on. Um, Go for it. So the last, the last point, the last thing on here before 
the dates. This is smart cities and communities and their contribution to the sustainable development goals. Mm. Why don't I just say sustainable government so development? Just, just make it obvious. The government sustainable government sustainability. The power of sustainability. Yeah. The ideological sustainability. Whenever you go to like the WEF or the United uh-huh. Nations and you go to like right. sustainable development goals, you get Agenda twenty thirty. Like this uh-huh. one and the same. Yep. Okay, and so then it goes to a link. I actually haven't gone into this link. I don't know why I didn't say this. Wait, did you say Josie's on? Wait, I'm sorry, what now? Did you no, say no, Josie's saying, on? Uh, Josie's not on. No, I just I said next week. You know, whatever we don't cover this week, okay. just you know, make a note and we'll just we'll just pick it up. I'll let you know when she's on. She's usually a couple minutes into the into okay. the show, but that's okay. Stuff happens. She's got a store to run. You know, life goes on. Okay. Yeah. So the next website is events.gov, and it's on Go government technology. The Hawaii Digital Government Summit for September 25th in Honolulu. So the overview right here. It means the notion, while our event does not take place in Maui, our harvester was always affected by the recent wildfire. We encourage you to support the Maui community through various available channels. Mm-hmm. Hmm. We uh, should so, talk about this. Misleading um, social media posts say that we're transforming Maui into the first smart islands. Um, Uh-oh. Yeah, do not align with the summit's focus, exchanging best practices, innovation, blah, blah. Basically saying, we're not turning Maui into Smart Island. Okay, so let's read the rest. The Digital Government Summit brings, it's like a little like red box, like an alert. Mm -hmm. But the Digital Government Summit brings together technology, focused public sector professionals with leading industry partners to connect on innovative approaches, get inspired and discover new technologies. That's fascinating. Yeah. So if you remember from the Smart City Policy Roadmap, what they were labeling is that the whole thing was put together by the like, globalist experts of some sort. So that oh. might be what they're talking about here. Okay. Okay. And so it has different speakers. Um, let's see. Okay. The agenda right here. I'll go to the agenda. It says, oh, it has a few more speakers. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, I'll go ahead and go through those. So, Governor Josh Green of Hawaii. Um, Green, how John appropriate. We'll remember that. We'll remember that Josh Green. <laughs> Jimmy L. Collins, Branch Chief Planning and Operations, State Security Clearance, POC, Office of Homeland Security, State of Hawaii. Matt Freeman, Director of Service Delivery, Hawaiian Telecom. Nadia Hansen, Global Digital Transformation Executive, Salesforce. Dean Hazama, Deputy Director, Department of Commerce and Consumer Affairs, State of Hawaii. Vincent huh. Wong, um, or Hoang, I don't exactly how to say it. Chief Information Security Officer, Office of Enterprise Technology Services, State of Hawaii. Mike Hussey. Industry Executive Director, Oracle, Micah Huang, Solutions Consultant, Adobe Government Services, Adobe, and Daniel Liu, um, Enterprise Architect for Google. So Jinda says, um, let's see, transform adverse, this is keynote, transform adversity into advantage, how to conquer life struggles. The world's become more difficult and the challenges are bigger than ever. 
adopting a new normal mindset is necessary to empower your team to navigate the challenges and and opportunities through contextual to through a contextual model to overcome adversity. How do you manage uncertainty? Blah blah blah. These message powerful interactive message. Blah blah blah. Ungrowth. Um, IT consolidation in the state of Hawaii. It says bits and bytes. Consolidation of executive branch IT services in the staff of Hawaii. I don't know if that's really important, but I know it's something with the um, well. Um, uh, the first technology. thing I know that yeah, the first thing I know from that list is they're all leftists. You got big tech represented. You've got uh, Homeland Security that destroyed our southern border. Um, you've got uh, different companies. You got Google. You know, you got all these different people here. But there's no there's no Heritage Foundation. There's no Constitution Center. There's no American Freedom Rights Organization. There's nothing uh, that would imply people. It's all technology. It's technocracy. You know, it's, it's technology and bureaucracy, but it's, and it's all government. There's no consideration for people. There's no consideration for, for anything that we hold true. There's nothing in our founding principles. There's no independence. There's no free will. There's no challenge to it. There's no appeal process in it. There's no consideration debate. There's no public comment in it. There's nothing that we would normally associate with the standard functions of U.S. government. This is all dictatorship. Every single thing that they talk about is a, is a fascist a uh, combination of various government agencies and various corporations that either work with or are supported by or connected with, you know, for the same purpose, um, the corporate government uh, amalgamation, which we know is fascism and technocracy. But the things that they're not mentioning are just as important, if not more important, the things that they're mentioning, because you go through this. It's all about sustaining the government. There's nothing in here that would strike me as anything even remotely American, anything of, of, of our principles of our country. Anything that there's no, they don't mention rights, they don't mention anything, they don't mention humanity. It's like there are no people. It's like the, the technology and the people are the same thing. It's like we are, you know, circuits and diodes and transistors and silicon trips, chips and things like that. But there's absolutely no mention of human spirit, freedom, individuality, creativity. None of that stuff is in there. Josie's here now. Well, it's because it doesn't uh, really matter about the country or the state or anything. It's more of like okay. a globalist effort and then everything on mixing the pot. Like this one says, the future of work. Change is the only constant in life. After years of tremendous change with no end inside, how can government government successfully approach the future of work in a remote or hybrid environment? And a bunch of other stuff on that. And then change management, a modernization journey, uh, managing constituent experience of excellence. Data makes equity possible. What? Forms of identity stop, stop right there. and access that, management for government. Data makes equity possible? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> data can make the world one? a more level playing field, and people are working hard to ensure equity is a priority. How will you use data to serve community members more equitably? What are the challenges and that come with organizing, managing, and extracting insights from large, diverse data sets? Session identifies tools and strategies for getting the most out of your data to do great things for your community. Whoopee. <laughs> yeah, whoopee is right. Yeah, Josie's here now, so I'm gonna, we're going to hold up for this week. But what I'd love to focus on, if you can make a note for next week, the conferences, this particular conferences that took place before the fires. I'd like to know what they talked about, what kind of things they were trying to do, and under the criteria of what's – and also talk about not there, like all the things I just mentioned that are not there in these plans at all. And I think, you know, it's just as important to report what's not there than what is there. So I'm going to let you sum up 
and then we'll get to a great report today. Thank you very much. And then I'll get to, uh, to Josie's report. All right. So I guess the main thing is go in, find it, research it, read it, try and form your own conclusions on things. Um, and take no, take everything ours. By all means, take our conclusions. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, take our conclusions. <laughs> because we're right. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> Oh, yeah, 100% of the time. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, we never make a mistake. Yeah. Yeah, sure we do. Hey, at least he's willing to say bold things. Okay. So let's, let's, let's get you out of here. Uh, and feel free to listen in, but uh, I got to get, I want to get to Josie to see what's on her mind. Yeah. All right. This is Brianna Cannon with Government Inquiry on Action Radio. Goodbye. All right. Goodbye. Thank you very much. She started off as a poor child in Nicaragua living under communism. And now she is a prosperous small businesswoman with a great family, living the dream as an American citizen. Josie Coffey knows all about both worlds, communism and freedom. She knows where your dreams can come alive and where they can die very quickly. And so her report is as much from experience as knowledge, and her passion and crusade are very real. With connections all over Central and South America, Josie brings you the world south of the U.S. border from personal experience, living, not just reporting, what's happening. And now, the Latina Report with Josie Coffey. Guten Tag, Josie. Konnichiwa, Buenos dias. Good morning. Buenos dias. Running a couple minutes late. Oh, That's I okay. I to bring my husband to town. Yeah. Oh, how are you doing? He had a hip replacement. He had hip replacement. He's doing a lot better, but he was tired of being at home since last Wednesday. Well, of course. He's, so, he's, he's an active guy. He wants to get out and do stuff. Yeah, he's probably not jogging I yet. I know. But, you know. Yeah. That's actually a good sign, no, by the way. Not yet. Well, you know, I, I've talked about this, too, that uh, in, in when, I both, when I broke my ankle uh, in two places, hand gliding, uh, and when I had open heart surgery, the one thing they told me is get physically active as soon as possible. I actually walked. About 10 yeah. feet the day I had open heart surgery. Didn't walk far because, you know, I had open heart surgery. And, you know, it's exhausting. Uh, yeah. Besides, it hurt like hell. But, uh, but the thing is to feel, too, as soon as he feels, you know, that he can do something, it, I, I've never heard a, mm-hmm. a, a doctor say that, it's, it, you know, that if, especially if it doesn't hurt. You know, if it doesn't hurt and you can do it, go ahead, do it. You know, because your body heals yeah. faster well, when you move than if it freezes up. Yeah, go ahead. It's amazing. Uh, they did the hip replacement within an hour and 45 minutes, and three hours later, they had him walking. <laughs> I was like, what? That's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's How do you amazing. feel? Did he have to get used to his new hip? A lot better. Okay. Yes, a lot better. Uh, I think in a few more days, he'll be able to handle himself because I have to help him with everything still, you know. Yeah. Um, it's, if it's you do one side, for me since last Wednesday. Interesting. If you do he one side, both. you have to do the other. Uh, you do both not of them? at the same time, but right. last time was a little bit more painful. I don't know if they dropped his leg or something because on the side, they on the his side leg. of his thigh, it was black and blue, like very bad, and he was suffering from more of that pain than the hip replacement. So I don't huh. know what they did different this time. He doesn't have that, so. Maybe they're He's just better recovering at recovering very quickly. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the percentage but, um, of people get the surgery is huge. I mean, uh, I don't know how, is, is it over half? People get kind of either hip or knee or both replacements at a certain point in life? 
Uh, I think it's the water Coca-Cola we're drinking. It's deteriorating our bones. Uh, all the yeah. chemicals that the criminals are putting in our food, our water, or Gatorade, you name it. No, it's, it's been going on for a long time. That's so. interesting. It's well, I had dumb. a doctor, uh, I had a chiropractor no. tell me, you know, when I was a kid, I, I first went when I was, you know, 17, because uh, my folks said, oh, uh-huh. back problems, everybody has back problems. I said, well, this doesn't seem natural to me. So I went to a chiropractor, got them fixed up, and stopped listening to my folks, and we went to chiropractors from then on, and now I'm fine. But uh, but the thing is that uh, he told me, as well, uh, you're going to have hip replacement by the time you're 50, you're, you know, your spine's here, and this is here. You know, that was 13 years ago, because <laughs> I'm still doing fine. You know, no chance of, of anything having to be replaced for hopefully, you know, God willing, the foreseeable future. But the point is that uh, they're not always right. And I'm just wondering what percentage of people are getting these replacements and, and what, what causes the need for it? Is it, uh, um, is it just like excruciating pain is, you know, where it becomes necessary? Uh, and then you get into the bone well, degeneration. The doctors, uh-huh. the doctors are saying, oh, it's bone on bone. We're going to have to replace the knee. We're going to have to replace the hip. Uh but you know, Greg, we never seen anything like it, ever. You could hear people once in a great while having a hip replacement. Yeah, that's what I thought. I mean, I only knew, I only knew of my husband's, and they had a hip replacement back in the '60s. Well, that was or, huge. Or well, it was barbaric like then. They weren't good or at cancer. it. cancer. So, it was yeah. a big deal when somebody dies cancer. Now. Uh, Three and five are dying of cancer, and now because of the vaccines, it's fully in full force. So and so just died. So and so, so and so, and you know, uh, this hip replacement. This doctor has done, I don't know, um, closer to two thousand hip replacements already. Oh, it's like I an mean, assembly line. It is it's like a factory. They, well, the good news is they're good at it because they get so yeah. much practice. The bad news is why, why, why is are we having good. to do this? Hey, listen, if I need one, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get a recommendation. But, I mean, I'm like I say, I bike ride 14 miles on my typical bike ride, you know, on the trail here in Milton. You know, I mean, I'm at the gym two times a week, you know, so there's no chance. I mean, I don't feel anything uh, in terms of pain. This is the weirdest thing. You know, I'm in my 60s. I don't have, I don't take any medicine. Yeah, a vitamin. You Me know, neither. But I, I, I don't do any of that stuff. I just eat well, exercise. I'm getting more sleep now, but because uh, I don't have the stress I had a couple of years ago uh, with the show. And I don't even take vitamins. Job. No. You know, I did vitamin D. Is that uh-uh. the only one? And um, yeah, only that's it. But I probably don't. Even, I probably don't, I don't even take need vitamins. That. They're all poison. Yeah. Remember where yeah. all the stuff comes from? From China. You know. I'll take a look so at the even if you Chinese. eat health. Uh-huh. Even if you eat healthy, Greg, they're they're killing us. This government is wicked, and they've been doing this for years and years and years, slowly but surely, because you know. When I go to Cuba, when I go to Nicaragua, when I go to the Ukraine, you don't see people with hip replacement, knee replacement, shoulder replacement. You don't see stuff like that. You don't see people dying of cancer. It's here. They are killing Americans. And it's been going on since late 60s. And and like Dr. David said, yeah, it's uh, it's in everything. It's in your catering, potato chips. Mm -hmm. I don't eat that stuff. I don't eat yeah. processed foods. I don't eat fried foods. I know, I mean, but this I don't... is the American way. Everybody eats oh, potato chips, just about. Yeah, but I don't eat carbs. Mm-hmm. You know, I have like a bagel once a month. <laughs> That's about it. Uh, you know, I mean, so, but I, this, you know, look at this. I don't eat, I don't eat soda pop. I don't, you know, I haven't had, you know, not since, you know, my, my teenage days, you know, the mood, <laughs> you know, I have like a Sprite, but for the, but I don't drink soda. Yeah. I don't do any of that stuff. 
Um, and so, you know, bones are solid. In fact, when they check my arteries for heart surgery, I have no, my arteries are completely clear. I mean, what are the chances of that? That my arteries are clear. I mean, was, they had a bad valve, but that was genetic. You know, anybody can have that. But mm-hmm. to the fact that they, they, I said, what'd you find in my arteries? I said, nothing. Is that unusual? Yeah, it is. They were mm-hmm. kind of shocked actually, you know? So, so, so all that, all those, uh, you know, that diet of fish and chicken and vegetables and fruits and, you know, all the good stuff that I eat paid off because now, you know, in my, in my late fifties, when they checked it out, I got clear arteries. Well, they got kids in their twenties with clogged arteries now. Yeah. You know, and, and, so uh, scary. and you know, uh-huh. I'm a, I'm a fruit fanatic. I have a huge trait of fruit and I love fruit. I stay away uh-huh. from doctors. I love vegetables, fruit. I don't hardly like uh-huh. a lot of meat, just a little bit, but you know, Greg, they're injecting our tomatoes, watermelon. I mean, uh-huh. everything. It's like, what do I do? What, what am I going to do now? You know? Yeah. And not everybody locally grows all that stuff to eat, you know? So it's, it's a mess. It's really a well, mess. Well, it's interesting. But Here, and we, we, well, hang on a second. We, t- we talked about this in, in college in biology uh, when we were studying preservatives. Uh, they, they did a study with uh, mice. Uh, and if you go to any cereal, which I don't eat anymore either, but cereal all has BHA and yeah. BHD added as a preservative, right? So they, they fed this to mice this preservative and the mice live 30% longer. Mm-hmm. Well, how could that happen? <laughs> you know, so the preservatives actually preserve the mice, not only to preserve the cereal, but preserve the mice. The mice live longer eating yeah. food with preservatives in it. That's weird. So, so you have to ask the question, mm-hmm. how is it well, up until recently when they, they started killing people with COVID shots. But before that we had the longest lifespan in human history. How do we do that with all these chemicals and preserves? And the question is how much is our body adapting? Just like we have an immune system, now, here's a whole new branch of science that, that I don't know if anybody's ever thought of yet, so let's kind of explore this. We have an immune system that adapts to different viruses because viruses mm-hmm. mutate. Do we have a natural food system that adapts to new chemicals in the same way that an immune system adapts to viruses and that our bodies are smart enough and God's creation is smart enough that we have I within know. our bodies something that we don't even know about? Okay, How is it that we can live longer and still have all those chemicals. We have more chemicals than ever before, and yet we live longer. Our folks yeah. 100 years ago ate much healthier, and they were dead at 50. How did that happen? So what changed? Yeah. We exercise less, we're more overweight, and yet we live longer than our, our healthy relatives that had pure food. So our bodies have to have adapted somehow. It's like uh, the Industrial Revolution saved you know, the planet. Why? <laughs> because we started burning carbon. We put carbon mm-hmm. and carbon dioxide back into the air. Well, if you listen to Gregory Wrightstone of the CO2 Coalition, we were 30 parts per million mm-hmm. away from destroying all life on the planet. Mid-1800s, before the Industrial Revolution. Okay, we're a little off track here. But uh, this, is, this is something that you and I talked about that we actually you know, got through reason and analysis, but it actually turns out to be true. That Wrightstone confirmed that we were 180 parts per million in the, uh, in the 1850s. 180 parts, 150 parts per million of CO2 is when all life dies, the plants die. Plants cannot get enough mm-hmm. carbon dioxide at 150 parts per million to survive. And we were at 180 parts per million. That's not that far above it. Now we're like 200 to 400 parts per million, so we're a lot better shape. But as it turns out, the more carbon dioxide in the air, and it's only, it's less than half mm-hmm. a percent. Even if it gets into 1%, it's still, you know, it's not much of the air. 
But that amount allows all the plants to breathe and it completes the carbon cycle. So all that carbon that's locked up in, in petroleum and coal, oil, natural gas, um, when we burn those things in our internal combustion engines, we're actually adding carbon. We're releasing carbon that's locked up in the earth back into the air so it can go to the plants. Then the plants put it back in the earth and it creates oil. Then we burn it again as, as uh, you know, organic fuels and we put it back mm -hmm. in the air. That's the carbon cycle. So what if, there's, what if there are other cycles that we don't know about? What if there's, you know, what if, what if in God in God's wisdom actually gave us a chemical immune system? Has anybody ever even thought of that? What if we have a chemical immune system that know, works as well as our biological our immune system? Is, Think about you, that. Our bodies are sharp. Let me tell you, it's, well, yeah. it's amazing because of all the garbage that they're feeding us, poison. Mm -hmm. And our body rejects that. That's why a lot of times you have stomach ache or diarrhea because your body's rejecting all that garbage, you know? Yeah, I know it's when you I go know, to a restaurant I, I kinda, <laughs> as opposed to my own food. I had a yeah, stomach ache. Yeah. yeah. I had a stomach ache going to uh, another broken egg, the new one they opened here nine miles, and the eggs were like rubber. I mm -hmm. asked for extra crispy bacon, and she go, oh, I'm sorry, but it comes pre-made already, pre-made. What do you mean pre-made? Bacon? <laughs> I know. <laughs> you I know. you don't cook bacon? Well, they just add water? I mean, what is it? Like instant bacon? <laughs> they microwave it? I don't know. And I spent over $30 for breakfast for me and my husband, 32 something. And you know what? It was disgusting. I should have never ate that. And you know what? My stomach did not agree with the food that I ate because the eggs were like rubber. I don't know. Because China's making a lot of eggs now uh, in special labs, you know, and there's Shipping it to Walmart, to all these places. Yeah, I don't shop at yeah. Walmart. I will, not eat, I will not eat uh, international store food. You know, so any store, if it's not local, you know, I, I mean, the, the, close, the only thing I eat uh, for produce outside the country is, or outside of, of Florida is there's some California stuff and some, uh, like North Carolina and, and Maine blueberries are really good. Um, there's a, there's a, an amazing growing region. I used to live just north of it. Uh, in, uh, do you know Monterey, California, south of San Francisco? Have you heard of it? No. Okay, so Monterey, is is, Monterey, it's the old capital oh, Monterey, of California right. before Monterey, yeah, before yeah, yeah. Sacramento. So, so Monterey, California, ancient, you know, mm -hmm. old city, been around since the Spanish, um, you know, several hundred years ago. So Monterey oh, has yeah. around it towns of Watsonville and Salinas. It's some of the most fertile soil mm -hmm. on the planet. So oh, your yeah. lettuce, your celery, your, your avocados, strawberries, yep. things like that. They're, they're, it's really good. Now, California, one of the things they do well is uh, when they say it's organic, it's organic. Okay? They're not messing around. They don't have a bunch of other mm -hmm. stuff in there. So California is actually really good. Uh, they're actually good about managing the dungeons crabs. There's plenty of crab in the ocean, despite what the wacko environmentalists say, because they managed it properly. You know, they only harvest mm -hmm. the, uh, the male crabs. And so one male crab, you know, one female crab can lay like a million crab eggs. <laughs> So, you know, it's, it's pretty amazing. How and a, uh -huh. a few so years back, there uh -huh. were uh, a few years back, they killed a lot of the farms in California because of that little fish to protect the fish. It was all a lie. Oh, it was People a lie. Oh, absolutely. The thing was, it's not even a native species. Remember? But even if it were, even if it were, the snail darter, you know, the one that was around the uh, pipes. Now, here's where something's really good about this. Devin Nunez who made the biggest mistake of his life by getting out of Congress so he could run true social. Huge mistake, because he would have been critical for what's coming up uh -huh. um, with the stolen election. Anyway, he's a farmer. He's from Fresno, you know, the raising capital of the world. 
Fresno, mm-hmm. hot, Fresno. dry, mm-hmm. dusty, but it's great soil. Okay, so what happens? Here's, here's California. California is an interesting situation. I know we might be digressing from your report a bit, but uh, California water. There is so much agricultural land. California can feed the world um, because they have great soil. Uh, they have the mountains, and they have. Uh, but well, they get they get this enormous snowpack mm-hmm. in the winter. You get about thirty feet of snow in the Sierra Nevada mountain range. Mm-hmm. Thirty feet. Okay, we're talking like a gazillion gallons of water locked up in snow, and it melts. Yes. And it, and then it flows into. If you go to Yosemite, Yosemite is one of the most beautiful places on the planet. I've been there several times. Yosemite National Park. Go there in the spring. The waterfalls are unbelievable. They are hundreds of feet high, mm-hmm. and it's just amazing. Anyway, the point is that the water goes to the San Joaquin and the Sacramento rivers. And then San Joaquin joins up with the Sacramento, and then it heads out the Delta and it goes out to sea. These idiots, <laughs> these mindless fools, take all that beautiful fresh water and they pump it out in the Pacific Ocean. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I think the Pacific Ocean has enough water already. There's no shortage of water in the Pacific Ocean. Sure. But the problem is well, it becomes salt water. As soon as it gets into San Francisco Bay, it becomes salt water. So if they would just pump it out and pump it to the farmers all on San Joaquin and the Sacramento River, there's not a, not a shortage of water. They could pump out the excess because it floods, floods the bank every spring. The whole Sacramento Delta is a mm-hmm. floodplain. There's so much water coming down from the mountains every year that the whole Sacramento Delta for hundreds of square miles is flooded. It's got inlets and channels. and all. Mm. There's so much water. But the problem is they force it out to sea. They don't pump it out and give it to the farmers. So you've got right. 40% unemployment. You've got ridiculously uh, high problems. You've got agricultural soil that's going dry and getting sandy like a dust bowl, all because of a stupid little fish. And that's not the real reason. What they really want to yep. do is take the water away, just like they did in Mountain. No, it's, it's not the fish. It's the Democrats and some rhinos. But I wanted yeah. to say, since you were talking about California, uh-huh. um, I don't know if you heard, there's a new law about homeowners insurance. And uh, I don't know exactly what's going on, but State Farm is uh, pulling out all their insurance. So I don't know what scheme or what's coming that they're uh, canceling everybody's policy in California, State Farm. So I don't know what's what's going on over there. I don't um, either. Yeah, State Farm's a national company. Yeah, Yeah. and in Japan, uh, Uh a lot of people are in the street protesting. Uh, about contaminated water huh. uh, in the city in the city of Fukushima. Fukushima. Oh, Fukushima! F-O-K-U-S. Yeah, that's where the uh, okay. You know Fukushima? Do you know what happened there? Do you know what happened in Fukushima? Yeah, the the nuclear. Uh, right. That's where the, the, the yep. That's where the nuclear accident when they had the yeah. tsunami. They had an earthquake. Uh, had to see so, a tsunami and all. And in fact, they were measuring radiated water yeah. in California across the whole ocean. From yeah. Fukushima, not so a lot, guess, uh, but it was measurable. I guess it's yeah. uh, because of because of that they're saying the fish is getting contaminated in uh, Japan and Fukushima, and a lot of people are protest protesting in the streets about that. And uh, I don't know if they ever clean the whole thing, and they've been serving all these contaminated nuclear radiation fish, you know. And it's a mess. So people are very very upset and, and protesting about that. And uh, I'm not I also sure what, wanted to. 
I'm not sure what happened there exactly yeah. and how bad it is, but that would be something worth taking a look at. Is yeah. did the tsunami destroy? Did the, how did the water get contaminated? How are they releasing uh, unless they have to, unless the, the plant melted down somehow and they have to release water just so it doesn't explode, <laughs> you know, becomes a nuclear bomb or something. I don't know the details, yeah. but it'd be interesting. If, why are they releasing nuclear yeah, radiated water anywhere? Yeah, that'd be something interesting to find out. Mm-hmm. Mm. But, you know, since right now, worldwide, well, not every country's on board with these criminals, with Bill Gates, George Soros, and all these criminals right now, mm-hmm. but they're burning plants, companies, uh, trains derailed with uh, highly chemicals being stolen. Uh, it's, it's happening all over the world. Not just here. What's the latest? The fires. This. Uh, I mean, it's, it's it started with hydroxychloroquine plants. Yeah, let's just go through the series. Let's see if we can do it from memory. They started with hydroxychloroquine plants during the early days of COVID because they didn't want anybody to have hydroxychloroquine because that would have cured COVID and they wouldn't yeah. have had an excuse for their their COVID jabs. So that was that was something. Uh, the food processing plants. Remember when airplanes were flying into them? That was pretty weird. Mm-hmm. Now trains do derail. However. The question of how many and what was on board. So the cure yes, for train derailments. I know that. Yeah, the cure for train derailments is pipelines. So if you had the Keystone pipeline, there's a good. Yeah, you, know, you still would have had chemicals on that train in East Palestine, but it wouldn't have had any oil because we got a pipeline. So the cure for for uh, trains is pipelines. Pipelines are far safer than trains. Pipelines the don't cure derail. for the trains is to arrest all these criminals doing this. That's ah. the cure. Exactly. So mm-hmm. in other words, we need to start holding government that's... people liable. Government people should be personally liable yeah. um, for their actions. Yeah. yeah. See, that's, that's a, now uh, that's an interesting point because we have a, a law that actually says that. Title 18, Section 241. Yeah. Uh, if, any, if anybody, and that includes government people, you know, uh, denies you your constitutional rights, the exercise or enjoyment mm-hmm. of a constitutional right. So yeah. anybody that votes for gun control is denying me the enjoyment of my constitutional right. That's a felony. They go to jail for that. So that is the law that actually enforces exactly. the Constitution. So the question is, if we have, a, you know, now East Palestine would be a different thing. They just kill those people. You know, the government just came in and burned all those chemicals. So they should be personally liable and thrown in jail for that. So we have to start prosecuting government people because those are the real criminals. If you, I mean, the person that, that uh, robs a bank obviously is a criminal, but the person that kills a million people is a real mm-hmm. criminal. Dr. Fascist is a real criminal. One of the most dangerous people that's they ever will. lived. They'll yeah, go down. Don't worry yeah. about it. Okay. Yeah. So what's uh, it's a matter so, of time? Yeah. So so, uh, so what's on your mind this week as we as we go through the So issues? the other thing, well, Japan, uh, also Tierra del Fuego in Argentina. What's going on there? Which is with uh, Chile. Uh, China is uh, allowing to build a port there to get have access. And, you know, China is doing this to Colombia. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. they have taken the Panama Canal already, I think. I'm not oh, sure long about ago. that. They, uh, they but, own it, yeah. But in a lot of countries, mm-hmm. China is taking control of their port. And China tried to buy the port of Miami, actually. And mm-hmm. these criminals almost sold it to China. And I'm glad somebody said, no, you're not. How about the mayor um, of but Miami? But it's all about the money. Yeah, well, and then, in fact, uh, this is one of the biggest problems with uh, living in, in this country. Uh, we're, we're not educated in terms of long term. Right? Nobody thinks long term. This is one thing that uh, I learned. See, uh, coming from Canada and Australia, 
uh, especially with a British Commonwealth country, they think long term. You know, when they think when they talk about history, they're talking about two thousand years. They're talking about you know back mm-hmm. to Roman times. You know, in England, you know, mm-hmm. the Romans were there. I was there in Bath, England. I went to a Roman bath. You know, and uh, swam in the river at midnight. Mm-hmm. That's another kind of amusing story. But the point is that yeah. when they talk about history, you so, know, they go through Cromwell and the kings and all that kind of stuff, and uh, the uh, the beheadings of the kings. I mean, they talk about serious history. Here, it's so short term. That it's a short-term profit. If you can make money for the quarterly profit, it's worth doing, even if it sacrifices your country for, you know, the next hundred years. Whereas China, they're all into the long term. They're they're playing chess and we're looking at uh, uh, an allowance. (laughs) It is sad uh, to see our own people being uh, sold out, you know, just for money. And it's sad how a lot of the American people sell out. Uh, uh-huh. Look at all the hospitals, look at all the nurses, look at all the doctors, look at all the so pharmaceuticals, is... look at all the people doing the tests. I talked to them, I said, look, I was talking to a Christian young man that he was about to go start working for Walgreens uh, last year. I said, uh-huh. do you know what you're going to be doing, shoving those sticks of those tests up people's nose? He said, no, but this is my job that I'm up to. I'm excited to get my job at Walgreens, blah, blah, blah. I said, well, think about it twice. I said, because those tests are deadly. My girlfriend, she's having uh, migraine headaches, ringing in the ears. The first time they did it, she started vomiting, and she's forgetting everything. And uh, this test oh, brain damage. horrible. It's obviously brain damage, you know, and they yeah. were shoving those things so far at people's noses. Now, were these people at all trained to do yeah. a proper PCR test? know what they're doing. You know, they only have to go yeah. on your nose. I mean, the, the viruses are in the front of your nose, not the back of your nose, because that's where your nose traps them. Because they wanted, to, they wanted to shove the things way up in there because those tests have some chemicals, graphene and some other stuff to shove it in, in, way in the nostrils of your body, you know. It's, yeah. uh, it's horrible. And COVID is in full force again, by the way. What's going on? A lot on? What's, of people uh... are getting sick with COVID. Oh yeah. All right. Now, how many exactly. how many people are getting COVID sick who have had COVID shots? Because because the COVID shot gives you COVID. I mean, we all know that, right? So how many a people are people. how many people who have never had a COVID shot like you and me are getting sick? I mean, I, I got it before we knew. Oh, it. I remember when I had it. You know, I had it January of 2020, right at the beginning yeah. of January, and I, I literally mm-hmm. I've only had one cold for a few days since, and that's because I was in the hospital for uh, one of those. Uh, one of those checkup things, you know, that's rather invasive. Uh, but the point is that I, and of course you, you pick up things in the hospital all the time. But as far as that goes, I, not only have I not caught, gotten any COVID again, I haven't yeah. gotten anything again. You know, I've been remarkably healthy yeah. since COVID. I think it jumps yeah. my immune system. We've talked about this. So how about you? And have some you been people, sick and some people go, but I have COVID two times, three times. And I'm like, no, you haven't. You must have something else. So they're claiming they have COVID. Uh, a lot of kids are sick right now. You should see a lot of my Sumba people. Their children are very sick right now. Why? I don't know. I don't know. And my gro- one of my other girlfriends, she's been very sick since last week. Uh, I have What's people calling me. Uh, what can I take? What can I do? I'm not a doctor, but I tell them, hey, take hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin if you can get it, you know. Yeah, and, uh, exercise. they call me for advice, a lot of people. So, you know, I help. Are they stressed? So, Are these people stressed in their lives? Because I think that's one of the biggest causes of, of illness is stress. I don't think so. No. Okay. No, no. I think I think they're using drones 
to release a lot of the viruses, like that the artists had evidence, so that's what they were doing, because mm-hmm. when COVID was almost completely gone here in Florida, and all of a sudden Trump was going to be in South Florida, somewhere in Orlando with these, uh, and the CPAC, and all of a sudden COVID was back in full force, you know, it, these people are criminal. These people, they've been doing this to us for a long time. We've just been, like a lot of people said, but why will the government do that to us? Why will my doctor do to us? Why is my doctor telling me I take, I need to take another two, and now he wants me to take the third one? I said, because he's a criminal. Stay away from the doctor. Because making money. Now yeah, this making lady, money out. Now this <laughs> so lady that, that I'm talking about, she has horrible, horrible dementia. Oh, Bad. No. Because I mean, of the PCR, the dose test, or, or, or COVID shots? Has she had COVID shots? From the vaccines, from the COVID yeah. shots, and the boosters. Yeah, it's oh. given a lot of dimension to a lot of these old folks, so they don't remember nothing. Because, see, the old folks, it's what's supposed to be teaching their grandchildren about America, about right. how this country was founded about how this country was stolen 150 years ago. But you know what? They're trying to brainwash our children with the phones, with YouTube, with uh, Netflix, with everything. And they're trying to murder the brains of the older folks in America. That's what's happening in America. And I wanted to also go to Colombia. Um, I had I got a phone call from Marisol. She's in Colombia right now. Uh-huh. And she said she was driving. She was driving with her brother and her mom. And all of a sudden, they seen this small little truck. It almost looked like an ice cream truck, uh, very sealed. You know, like if there was a freezer inside or something, mm-hmm. very sealed. You know. And she said they came to a stop a stoplight, and she said um, they heard people screaming like. They they could hear the thing shaking. They're trying to get out. I don't know how many people were inside this truck. That was quite a bit of people being kidnapped. Mm-hmm. And uh, her brother followed and followed and followed the truck. And and then he got a little scared because, you know, these people have machine guns. These child traffickers, and especially in Colombia, oh, yeah. other countries, they have weapons. <clears throat> Not yeah, like they here. They, you have no, to I used hide to see it. the police on uh, cruises. You had a cruise in Mexico. There's two armed guards or two army but, soldiers, usually with with automatic weapons. Oh yeah, the police ports. is yeah. all in it. So they called the police while they were waiting, you know, and they continue following. So the mom is calling the police, mm-hmm. and uh, the police is all involved in it. And the police uh, finally came, and then they passed the truck, and the police released them with all the people. And they were afraid because uh, now the truck is behind them, see? Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. not good because they get your license plate and they're going to come and murder your whole family. Yeah, not good. No, I told Marisol, you better be careful over there. But uh, their child trafficking is so deep, so deep everywhere. It's yeah. just, it's it's horrible. And And the other thing is, we need to warn our children with all those little video games that seem very innocent, but they're not. It's a child trafficking like you would not believe with all those video games. How's that work um, with video games? I was, uh, this is new. Huh? This is new to me. What? So how does it work with video games? I'm curious. It's uh, the, all, the, all, the games that, all the games that you get on your phone, you know? 
different right. apps, the different games. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's happening is uh, you're playing with somebody, and after a few weeks or whatever, you get to know that person and all that, and they might send you their picture or whatever. But uh, my, one of my uh, Honduran friends, she works at this restaurant, and she said her best friend, the young man, was playing and playing and playing, and they became friends, and they, they're playing with other friends that they know. And all of a sudden, this other friend, they're criminals. They're criminals, and they said, if you don't give us $1,500 by Wednesday, whatever day, mm-hmm. I think it was Wednesday or last week, right. we're going to come and chop your head off. To you, to your family, we know exactly where you live. We got all the information. And they sent a bunch of pictures of chopped head, arms, legs, and everything real with blood and all that. And this kid is freaking out. He's about 16, 17 years old, this kid, I think. And, uh, I mean, this is crazy. And, uh, And then the father came, and the father got a hold of the phone, and the father was replying to these criminals. And the father says, we know exactly who you are, blah, 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 you know, just um, uh, threaten them. And they did find out that this that this group, it's a criminal group from Pakistan, from another country. They're not even here, but they have people working here that Pakistan? they can come and chop your head. Pakistan. Like, like, oh, uh, yeah. like mercenaries, mm-hmm. like assassins from another country? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It does sound very Middle it's Eastern because like, like, uh, they do. The ISIS used to do that. They cut heads off with knives, which I don't know how they did that exactly. And it's kind of barbaric. Yeah. And then the old days, they used a sword, just you know, one one quick thing. But now, now it's the ugh. it's a pretty barbaric world. So we there. give mm-hmm. we give computers, phones, all this luxury stuff to criminals in prison, and mm-hmm. they got their connections in the outside using. Mm-hmm the 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 smart system that we have so why would a criminal ever have a phone you know when when uh, Stuart Rhodes called us uh, Stuart Rhodes who was the head of the Oath Keepers um, when he called us from the Oklahoma Federal Prison he didn't have his own phone he called us from the, the jail phone and they give him 15 minute you know slots and he 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 like, remember when he had to hang up I don't know if you heard yeah. that call he had to hang up and then call yeah. us back so we get like 45 yeah, minutes out of like three calls time. yeah I got like three calls in a row it's hysterical mm-hmm. right um, and so it's interesting. Other people, uh, about six months to a year later, after we started doing it, they started doing it. I've seen mm-hmm. other people on shows, you know, saying, you know, calling from prisons like, ah, I know where you got that idea from. Yeah. <laughs> from us. Yeah. We did it by accident because, you know, because Stuart called Jonathan, uh, who was working with him at the time, Jonathan Mosley, our, our uh, legal mm-hmm. reporter. And, and I said, Jonathan, put him on the air. What? Come on. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was on the. I was well, I mean, just yeah, the things that yeah. we do. Well, now here's a question for you, too. I mean, in the back of my mind, I think at some point, because we say some pretty blatant things on this show, you know, Trump's being arrested for saying the election was stolen. I don't think a day goes by when I don't say the election was stolen at least 10 times on the show. So at what point, you know, how, how big do we get, you know, before the FBI comes to my door or your door? You know, I mean, it's just it's going to be very know. interesting. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to stop. I mean, I've already I don't decided know, that. But I'm not stopping. The election. But I'm. Yeah. But the election was allowed to be stolen by Trump in the military. Yes, I don't believe that. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think, no, I don't believe that for a second. Okay. It's okay. Yeah. Now, okay, so well, now here's a question, though. If, if that were true, uh, and this is something it very is interesting. True. Okay, so, so here's what I'm thinking, that if Trump 
had, you know, continued on the second term immediately uh, after his first term, which he won, you know, would, but they would have gone to a third impeachment, a fourth impeachment. I don't know if the House would have gone Republican, even if it had, you know, he'd still be demonized. He'd still be trash. He's, he wouldn't have time to think. So it's kind of an interesting twist of history mm-hmm. that Trump, having had these four years, he's another year to go, to plan his administration. Mm-hmm. See, the first administration, he didn't plan at all. I don't even think he planned to win. <laughs> I don't even know what he planned. Well, I guess he planned to win. Uh, but I remember that he talks about how he said to Melania, yeah, we're not, I don't think we're going to win this. And Melania says, yeah, you are. You're going to win. You're going to be president. You know, and this is on the election night. So he, he walked in not knowing Washington, not knowing the, the depth of deception and corruption. He didn't know, but this time he does. Now, he's had four years to think about it. So the, the ironic twist is even though he won the election, it was stolen from him by the Democrats and Republicans in the deep state. We, might have, we may have a far stronger Trump because he's had four years to think about it, because the election was stolen from him, than we ever would have had if he went straight from his first term to his second term. What do you think of that? No, he allowed okay. he allowed to be stolen. Uh, we got him some information yesterday, actually, a little bit about all this. Uh, can you, they can cannot talk a lot on the phone. Oh, okay. Yeah, that no. uh, there will not be there will not be no twenty twenty four election at all. Okay. We were told that, and uh, it's not a hundred percent sure. But well, what's, what's going to happen then? Back in happen January. Uh, January. Okay. So, all right. So let's let's we'll mark our calendars for January. That's not that far away. We're August. Okay. Now. Oh, September now. September, November, December. It's four months. Yeah. So we're talking about so so Trump. So you're saying Trump will be back in the White House in four months. I usually don't like to put dates like uh, like uh, <laughs> my pillow guy uh, Mike yeah. Mandel yeah. told us that he was going to uh-huh. be back in August, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe he something happened that it did not happen, but uh, yeah, somebody told well, us yesterday. Do you know Mike Lindell's plan? Probably, he, he advertised for months about this election plan. Do you know what his plan is? I because I have no clue. Mm-hmm. Do you know? What? No. What do you mean? What did you say? Mike Lindell. Mike Lindell he just had an election summit, and he was broadcasting. I've got. I still got his emails. You know, because, you know, we're an affiliate of, of MyPillow. If you look at any of our broadcast screens, we have yeah, a MyPillow yeah. panel, right? WIL is a discount code for everything. Uh-huh. Write your laws. Yeah. And so he was he was sending emails out for months that he had a plan. And they had the election mm-hmm. summit, and I'm not sure what the plan is. Do you know what the plan is? Well, the plan is that Trump is not running for 2024, and this show that was going on with all the Republicans running, it's all being handled by Donald Trump in the military. What, the and, Goober, uh, the Goober if debate? You notice, if, you notice, <laughs> if you notice in one of the, the – the, the, whenever they had the debate, uh, Ron DeSantis and all that, they asked him a question twice, and he said, focus on the mission twice, well, but people uh, do not pay attention. What does that mean? Focus on the mission. Yeah. So the mission. He, he the means mission the campaign, is, right? They all campaign. are working. They yeah. all. Are, wait, wait, wait. The mission okay. is they all are working together okay. with Donald Trump. All of them. All the Republican candidates Robert are. Kennedy. Huh? Well, now see now. So you're saying all the Republican candidates, president, uh, including the ones that are have yet are to declare. Are working with Donald Trump. How? Yes. 
How are they working with them? They're being placed in, they're being put in place by Donald Trump and the military. But they're all complaining to, about it. To, to keep them busy. Yeah. Yeah. And so busy? it's Ron DeSantis because Ron DeSantis is close friend with, uh, with, uh, Donald Trump. Oh yeah. He endorsed him twice. Hmm. He's, he's working together. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Because I had a Facebook argument uh, with some people that said I was nuts for supporting Trump and I should be supporting DeSantis. I'm like, are you kidding? And they don't know nah. that DeSantis locked down our state. They, they, they're, they're different parts of the country. They don't realize that he was a total dictator when COVID first started. You know, no, the videos and information not. to prove it. He's not a yeah. dictator. He was. Yeah. He, he went you, for all the illegal mandates. You're going to find out. You're going to find out about all these people working with Trump. Uh, okay. So it's Mike Pence. He's working with Trump. Yeah. Oh, definitely don't believe that. So, I don't believe that. Mike Pence is the one that okay. sabotaged the election. Mike Pence is the one that stole the election for the Democrats. Was, he's the first. He's the first presidential was, candidate was well to steal the election for the, the other thing. side. Yeah. What's that? No. Mm-hmm. Josie, listen to yourself. No, it's this is all ridiculous. It's done for a reason. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It, I know it sounds crazy. A lot. Of it this. does. It really does. But a lot of a lot of yeah. a lot of the information we're getting is from the. My husband's cousin, that he's very close with Mike Flynn. Yeah, so he's the one that's, that's supposed to get us Mike Flynn. If he's that close to Mike Flynn, how come we don't have Mike Flynn on the show? I mean, I'm not complaining. I'm just curious. I I'd know. Love to get Mike Flynn They're on the too show. busy. No, nah, they can't. They're Look, we're the, only, we're the world's only radio show with a citizen legislature. Nobody on the planet does what we do. How can he be too busy for us? I We've know. got the answers to most of the problems out there. Let me talk about something for a second. I don't know if you had a chance to review this yet. I wrote a bill over the weekend. The compl- Let me pull out here real quickly. I've got. I have no, to, I, didn't see. I haven't be been here. in we, the internet at all. Okay, we've got a guest coming up in in a few minutes. Uh, Jason Shepard, who's a big tech censorship expert. You know, he's uh, he's got his own social media. He's a really interesting guy. I don't know that much about him, which is kind oh, of right. unusual for big oh, guests. Good. But I wrote a bill. I wrote a bill called the Investigation Compliance Cost Payment and Government Liability Act. So whenever the government mm-hmm. does an investigation, they have to pay to the person they're investigating the same amount of money as they have spent investigating them. They then have to pay compliance costs. So all the legal fees, all the paperwork duplication, all the research, all the extra people that are hired, lost customer revenue, everything they have to pay. And if the investigation is not for the purpose of, you know, a broken law, if they're not doing it for, if they're just doing it to punish that person or drain their resources or put them out of business, then they can be sued for that. This is an entirely new branch of law. And I looked, there isn't anything like this in, in, in law. So I wrote over the weekend. I started Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, Sunday morning before my day job. Uh, and wrote some right before the show Monday. <laughs> so I'm up at four in the morning writing legislation, right? This is what I do for fun. This is a fascinating bill. This totally changes the way investigations are done by holding the people liable. And like nobody would ever have to have a legal defense fund. So why should you have to raise money to defend yourself if you're innocent until proven guilty? What they're saying is you're guilty. You can't have the money to defend yourself. And we're going to, we, I mean, yet you, the government has all the money they want to spend against you. Well, that's not equitable, if, if you'll pardon the phrase. So I wrote this bill um, that says it has a bunch of sections. And it's just, I'll just go this real quickly. Um, so it's basically, it's Title 18, Chapter 205, Section, New Section 3119, Compliance and Other Costs and Government Liability. And I've got a purpose, I've got implementation, mm-hmm. I've got a compliance cost section, I've got recouping lost revenue, continuity, personal liability has a bunch of things where the government's personally liable. If they do political investigations, if their investigation is solely for political purposes, you can sue them. 
if they do political incarceration. In other words, January 6th in the D.C. Gulag, they can sue their captors and everybody involved. Withholding of exculpatory evidence. You know, that's evidence that uh, sets you free. If that's withheld, then the people who it was withheld from can sue the people that withheld it. I got coercion when they try and mm-hmm. you know, get you for a higher crime. I got a section on media if they work in conjunction with the government. I've got uh, conspiracy against rights, and I've got restitution for anybody that suffered as the result of an, of an investigation uh, where they were never proven guilty. Let's get him real quickly in here um, because I, gotta, mm-hmm. I get a guest in 10 minutes. I want to talk to him my, myself at first. One of those, he may only have 20, yeah. 25 minutes. We'll see. Yeah. Pianchi, what's on your mind? Pianchi. Oh, he dropped. Nope, he's there. He's there and he's dropped. Uh, I don't know what's going on. Pianchi, are you there? Anyway, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Well, it looks like he's not here. But, um, he's going to call back. Oh, now he's back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll just try this again. Uh, hang on. Let's make sure I'm live. Take two. Pianchi, what's on your mind? What do you think of all this? Well, that's why you have, if you don't have money for an attorney, assign one to you. Yeah, what if you're Donald Trump? What if you're Donald Trump and the, and the, the government spent $100 million prosecuting you? Public defender's not going to be, if, that's not going to cover it. If he didn't have, if he didn't have, if he have, uh, that offer still will be offered to him too. Public defender? But, but that's, that's not even remotely uh, equitable. You've got some, some poor little government defend, public defender that's fresh out of law school that has no, that's maybe never tried a case. You're going to put them up? You know, against the entire federal government you can uh, fire Biden him. machine. You, if you don't like him, you can fire him and get another one. <sighs> this is this isn't even close to reality here. What do you think? But it's just the way it is. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, but you know me. It's, it, I mean, it may be the way it is, but it's not right. If you went to, if you was brought up on charges, if you didn't have an attorney, they would assign one to you. Great. And I have to take one because I can't afford if it. You didn't like call, the attorney, you could I'll call Jonathan. Him. Yeah, but I'll call Jonathan. That's the first thing I do. Say, Jonathan, guess what? I need your help. But, but great, great. Yeah. This way it is. You will be assigned an attorney. But you're talking about major people. You're talking about corporations, wealthy individuals, folks like Roger Stone, uh, Paul Manafort, Donald Trump, you know, Rudy Giuliani. These are people that need millions of dollars in legal fees. You can't, they can't get a good defense from a public defender. That's just, that's you just know, not that's even what remotely, I would, uh, that's not even, a, that's even what a, I would, if I was Giuliani, I would say I didn't have no money. I'll give them public defense. Would, would you trust, if you were Rudy Giuliani, would you trust a public defender to defend you adequately against Jack Smith and the entire, you know, Brandon illegal insurrection? If I would, uh, well, I can't put myself in those shoes. But I'm just saying this that the, the okay. So okay, we know you get we know you get a bill, defender. But your bill is going to your bill is going to only apply to certain people. Okay, who 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 does it not apply to? Well, I mean, you, you're right. So you give me examples about this. Well, suppose it was Donald Trump. Suppose it was Ruler Giuliani. Suppose it was just Joe the Plumber. Yeah, it applies to Joe the Plumber, too. Would it sure. apply to him, too? It, absolutely, sure. It applies to anybody that is All under right, a well, federal investigation. So in other words, so anybody under a federal investigation gets the same amount of money to defend themselves as the government is spending investigating them. That's the first thing. 
and above that, they get compliance costs. So anybody they have to hire, any law company revenue. See, remember, you're innocent until proven guilty. So you should not suffer because you're being investigated. Because an investigation without a conviction, you know, is uh, just it's uh, just an investigation. But you can't you, you, if you're punished for it before you're proven guilty, then that's that's unconstitutional. So what I'm saying so is that's that the they basis would of the receive a return. You know, uh, uh, several months ago, you had the federal government raid. Simultaneously, the office of Yuhuru, uh, Joe Jeshidi, Joe Willer is his, his real name. He raided his office in uh, in St. Louis, in uh, Tampa, and maybe two of them in St. Louis. Well, he don't have no money for no lawyers. The man's poor. He's just the head of an organization called Yuhuru. So right. he would so have to be appointed an attorney. No, not under my they law. Said under that my was, law. They said he was collaborating no, no, no. with Russia, by the, Russia, Pianchi, by the way. Pianchi, Pianchi, you're missing the point. Under yeah. my law, under my law, he would get, under this bill, he would get the same amount of money the government spent investigating him. He would also be able to bill the government for legal fees, attorneys, paperwork, additional people hired, lost revenue. He'd be able to bill for all that stuff. So he would, well, he got, it's a way to he, equalize he the person. Wait, hold on. It's a way to equalize the person with the government. Now, we've got about three minutes left, and I want to get Josie back in here because we have a guest coming up at the top of the hour. So but let me get your well, comment on that. Go ahead and go to your guest. Let me. He will be giving away. He's not here yet. We're going to talk about this more. Josie? Let me go ahead and say uh, goodbye because I got to go. I have to go to the bank and all this running around with my husband. Okay, so let's get but, your story. Uh, let's get guys, a shameless plug. Uh, this is Josie Cosi reporting for Action Radio, and you can find me at Routine Farm Shops. And you guys have a blessed day, and I'll see you next week. Thanks, Josie. Ciao. Routine Farm Bye-bye. Shop is in Pensacola, Florida. Bye-bye. Look them up online. Look them up on Facebook, and you can find them. Yes. Josie knows everything God about Pensacola. You yeah, God bless you, too. Right, bye, Bianchi. Okay, bye. Loose and easy. Well, that sounds interesting. <laughs> okay, so we've got until my guest uh, comes on in just a little bit, and, and then uh, so we can hash this out a little bit. But then I want to get to him when he when he gets here. Obviously, I'll let you know when he gets here. But anyway, but uh, but the, you know, you're talking about what exists now, which is fine. But I don't deal with what exists now. I deal with what should be, and what's right, and what's fair, and what's just. And so I know the situation as it exists now. I'm trying to change the situation so there actually is an equality between the person being investigated and the government who's investigating them. Otherwise, people are, are at such a disadvantage. People can be crushed, killed, destroyed, commit suicide, lose their, lose, uh, you know, their businesses, you know, their families break up. All kinds of horrible things happen. There's my guest right now. All these horrible things happen simply because the government can investigate you and they don't even have to arrest you. They don't have to bring you to trial. They don't have to convict you. They don't have to do anything. Just the investigation itself is a punishment. And to have a punishment given to people by the federal government before they're proven guilty, while they're still presumed and are, in fact, innocent, is the reason I wrote that bill. So let me get your last comment. You ever bought a lotto uh, ticket, a scratch-off lotto ticket, and it was a winner, and you didn't What's report that? it? You ever bought a lotto ticket that was a winner, and Not you yet. didn't report it? What well, IRS no. can uh, investigate you? Of course, they, I'm anyway, not stopping investigations. Them. Yeah, I'm not stopping investigations. I'm stopping investigations that are done for reasons other than, you know, breaking of the law. That's what I'm talking about. I wanna, I'd be curious what Jason thinks of this, too. We'll find out in just a second. So let me, uh, let's bring on our guest today. Pianchi, I'm going to hold you up for a little bit. 
and uh, talk to our guest, and then we shall uh, let's uh, let's have some fun here. This is going to be great. I've been looking forward to this this conversation for a while. So our guest of the day, Jason Shepard. So this should be interesting. Jason Shepard is a tech expert, an expert on uh, big tech and government censorship. Uh, he's the founder of the free speech platform Wimkin social media. Uh, we've got Realster, Friendzer, and others. Wimkin, I, just, I don't know, where, i got to find out where you get these names from. Wimkin was banned by Apple and Google Play for eight months while number one in the app stores due to not bowing to app store content moderation demands and also received two demands from the select committee on January 6th and uh, one DOJ subpoena. So I've got all these things I want to find out. Let's make this line live, first of all. And uh, welcome, and here it goes. There it goes. Jason Shepard, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Greg. I appreciate you having me. Well, I'm glad to have you on because, quite frankly, and this mea culpa, um, I did not know about Wimkin. I did not know about all the work that you did, you know, with uh, with censorship. And so this is kind of news to me. So where have you been hiding? What's going on? Tell me. Well, I, you know, I don't think we were actually hiding, to be honest with you. I think it was certainly a calculated move by uh, big tech, which I know you're certainly also an expert on. Um, well, but, you know, obviously when. <laughs> uh, I've read. I've read. Actually, it's kind of funny. I knew who you were. So, um, but uh, really? maybe it's the Pennsylvania. Oh. Yeah, it Tell could me. be the Pennsylvania aspect. Um, but yeah, to be honest with you, I I really huh. believe, and it, I mean, it's the writing's on the wall there. Um, it was a calculated move by big tech, uh, mainstream media, and um, right. and, and the government actually to get us not to be known. Um, you know, being banned uh, when we were number one on Google Play and number one on Apple in terms of uh, popularity and trending. Um, you know, four months into our existence, uh, being blamed for the alleged insurrection. Um, that was, I believe, why <laughs> you would think we were hiding. <laughs> that, well, the, I, just, just because I don't know about it, because I have to do so much with my own show that a lot of and people are sending mm-hmm. me videos. You got to watch the other person. I'm like, well, they probably said something I said six months ago. You know, I don't have time to look at all these things. Anyway, I got to give you a round of applause because <laughs> that's a tradition around here. Well, thank you. There we go. And so let me ask you, too. Um, how much time do you have? Because I could talk to you for an hour easily. I got an hour open for you, uh, but if you only have fifteen twenty minutes, I need to know that before we get to all uh, into the good yeah, stuff. Yeah, actually, I have a ten thirty um, that I have to do okay, as good. well. So, um, but right, I can so definitely okay. I can give you some time. Okay, I'll get you out here at ten twenty-five. Then I'll give you five minutes to breathe. Um, this, uh, <laughs> this well, let's talk big tech. Let's get right into it. And then I, I found something on on uh, Wikipedia, which is everybody's favorite source of information. They, you're a badass. Uh, they, they hate you. <laughs> this is really funny. Uh, it says, when, <laughs> well, let's start. Well, I might as well start with this, and we'll get into uh, our bill, which I think you have. Uh, anyway, if not, I'll read it to you. Winkin is Wikipedia. Wimkin launched in August 2020 after being founded by Jason Shepard. That's you. This is on January 12, 2021. Apple removed Wimkin from the Apple App Store for hosting, oh, here we go, violent content, including calls for a civil war and the arrest of then Vice President Mike Pence. Jason, I've been calling for the arrest of Mike Pence since January 6th for treason, <laughs> for sabotaging and stealing the election, for being the first Republican to actually steal the election for the Democrats. So you're in good company here. You're among friends. So, so well, tell thank me. you. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was so violent? What did you do? What, what, what's, the, what's the truth of this? Well, um, I know you've written articles on 230, which is excellent. And, you know, that's uh, certainly something that um, even smaller social media sites like us have to deal with. But mm-hmm. uh, so essentially, we had a few members. Now, we were banned by, um, you're probably going to laugh at this, but it, it, the absurdity actually is a little bit more dangerous and, and sad than you think. But, Oh, uh, Apple took, <laughs> I'm really curious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Apple took offense to four memes and four posts that were that were put up on our site that the ACLU on Twitter had people go in, sign up for Wimkin, and screenshot and send to the uh, app stores, which they thought would violate their terms of you know agreement to be in the app store. Uh, mm-hmm. Google Play took offense to five. So we were banned off of these app stores for a total of nine posts and comments. And obviously, uh, we did not comply with their demands. Uh, it took us eight months to actually beat them, um, you know, through a, a legal process and an appellate process. But we were banned for a total of nine memes. And we had one individual who put a meme up that was called the Million Militia March. It was not organizing anything. It was just <laughs> stating that private, yeah, uh, private militias um, should go to D.C., just let people know that, you know, they exist and um, that that's a possibility, you know, in the future. Nobody was calling for anyone to bring arms or anything. They were just having, you know, just a, a sort of a get-together or a talk about something. And uh, that's what really got us all over the place. If you if you Google um, – or if, I, I don't know if you use Google. I would doubt that you don't. But, that, um, in fact, I'd go, but you, that's, it, uh, that's not that, that good. I still get five pages of liberal crap before I get to a decent uh, website that I'm looking for. So I, I just skip down. <laughs> I just skip the first four pages. Oh, here's my sources. <laughs> well, yeah, if, so, yeah. If, if, if you search uh, Million Militia March um, and put Wimkin in there as well, which stands for World Must Know Now, by the way. Um, I know you uh, what, I was going to ask you that. that was. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So Million, <laughs> sure. million Militia um, March. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And then so essentially like the Wall Street Journal um, – Obviously, CBS in Chicago, CNN. A lot of individuals took uh, offense to that, and um, mm-hmm. that's what's got that's what got us on the radar, and that's certainly what got us the uh, two demands signed by Benny Thompson himself with the Select Committee, and uh, also oh, one DOJ subpoena. So, why don't they call me? I mean, make my day. Let me appear before that committee. I would have so much fun. I would. I would just. It would be. It would be. Uh, I would destroy them. It would be an absolute. This is why my <laughs> dream is to be in like a diversity workshop. You know, the first question is, yeah. do you have any white instructors? I mean, I, I'm that kind of guy, right? And so yeah. <laughs> this would be fascinating. So Wimkin, <laughs> let me get Wimkin. What does that stand for one more time, please? It stands for World Must Know Now, um, WMKN. Uh, we just obviously couldn't use the letters, and it wouldn't really make right. for a great app name um, with just that. So we added I's in there. So essentially, it's just uh, it's kind of an acronym that's sound, it's sounding out World Must Know Now in honor of free speech. So what happened to free speech? Well, uh, did we ever really have it? I mean, we had it in our beginning, but uh, there's been a, a gradual process against free speech for a long time. Government control cannot exist in an environment of free speech. Um, let me ask you, actually, let me get a little more specific. That's kind of general. Watergate. Watergate seems to me the last time mm-hmm. we actually had real, real journalism in this country. You know, and for all, all you youngsters that haven't seen All the President's Men, Dustin Hoffman, or Robert Redford, fabulous film. You know, you got the fluorescent lights, you got the Washington Post. They actually we were doing real journalism. They were investigating. They went to the Library of Congress. They looked stuff up. They had sources. They talked to people. Nowadays, journalists have propaganda arms. So there was a time when we actually had free speech and real investigation. What happened? What, uh, what do you think? Well, that's actually a great analogy because, you know, um, I was born in 81 and uh, obviously huh. didn't live Dexter. through that aspect. But um, I did see the movie, and I, I, one of the things that stands out to me is all the cigarette smoke underneath those fluorescent lights because, you know, growing up with those bands and things. But, Interesting. Um, but that's, that's a great time. You know, really, for some 40 years, you're not kidding, 40-plus years, there's uh, uh-huh. been very big problems with journalism. And it's, you know, it's, it's down to the fact uh, consumers, it's down to the fact, um, you know, you look right now with the big tech aspect, Whatever narrative fits whatever politicians are funding them, um, you know, the super PACs and obviously uh, the, the um, legitimate uh, Silicon Valley aspects of, you know, funding uh, leftist propaganda, um, 
I think that's really where it starts. Now, it's, it's never been more prevalent in my mind since roughly, I'd say, 2013, 2014, for conservatives certainly being shut down. But um, I, I really thought we were going to get somewhere on this real recently with uh, Judge Dowdy's ruling um, on the Biden administration not being able to collude with, you know, big tech executives on what they should and should not post on their or allow posted to be on their site. So definitely paying attention to that case on that aspect. And uh, hopefully um, – you know, Supreme Court will kick that at some point in time because we both know it's going there. Yeah. Well, I've got another alternative. And by the way, you don't have to say Biden administration or President Biden because neither of those things are true. We all know the election was stolen. I agree. Uh, the, the Democrats know especially. So, so like I say, you're among friends here. So if you want to say Brandon insurrection, that's what we call it. Uh, we actually have new, names for, we have new names for everything. And this is part of the, the, the way that I fight back. So first of all, the GOP is the gelding old party. Okay. Um, January 6th is the Capitol Hill Invitational Walk-In. Uh, the guy in charge ah, of the like old that. health. <laughs> you like that Capitol Hill Invitational? It's like Price is Right. Come on down. So that's what I call it. Um, Dr. Fascist, you know who I'm talking about there, right? Absolutely. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So this stuff, and, and my favorite one is we don't say rhino anymore. Uh, we call them transgender Democrats. I love it. That is, <laughs> so, I think that's my favorite of all. <laughs> yeah, mine too. That's why I saved it for last. But feel free to use any of those terms. But language is key. Um, a question for you, as, a, as you're talking and writing this down, and I, I thought about this before, that uh, what we're calling the age of information has become the age of disinformation. That the one thing we never thought about uh, as we're all, as the Internet is opening up this entire vistas to us, and this wonderful world is appearing, I can look up anything. I can read articles on anything, but what we didn't realize is that whatever they can put on the Internet, they can take off as opposed to books. Once you have the book, you got it, unless they come to your house and burn it. But if it's on the Internet, and I used to have some great articles on the early COVID stuff, how there is no pandemic, most of those have gone. Some of them they haven't been found yet, it's not those, but I remember them. But I, my memory is only going to last as long as my lifetime, and I can only you know, put so much on podcasts, and hopefully those will be around. But do you see that uh, the, the age of information, we didn't put the safeguards on, and we've now become the age of disinformation? What do you think? I, I absolutely do. And um, obviously, 230, um, that I, I know you're very astute uh, on, um, you know, that gives, obviously, big tech the uh, ability to say this is disinformation. We're removing it as such. So, But that comes down to what their narrative is, of course. And um, so anything you put on these big tech platforms, they're definitely not safe. I mean, you see Facebook going back, I think, as far as three years removing things. I mean – you have to look at the motivation behind that. Why on earth would you have people going back three years to look at posts to say that this does not fit the narrative or this you know, does not um, obviously uh, go – or it goes against our terms and policies or community guidelines? I mean, um, I lost a 700,000 Twitter follower account um, when Jack Dorsey was at the helm, and I still can't get that back, unfortunately. But that was just sharing real COVID truths. That's what I was shut down for on there. And everything name that some. I posted on there is now give me, true. Give me some. What, uh, give me some COVID um, Okay. Well, so obviously a lot of it had to do with vaccinations, mostly. Um, so I, I partnered with Wendy Bell. I was on her radio network for uh, about 18 months and also built her app. And, mm. you know, we would have doctors on. Um, we would have, you know, we, we would cite legitimate CDC VAERS data, which now has obviously disappeared from the CDC site. I don't, I'm pretty sure you probably knew that. Um, oh, I've but, got uh, some stuff that they don't have anymore. In fact, is if you look at the slide, um, when you get the link to the show, and I, I sent it to uh, uh, to the folks that uh, got you here, and so uh, it's mm -hmm. a slide that shows that COVID ended July uh, 2020. 
that the death rate was pretty much zero by July of 2020. So everything after that was propaganda because they had to preserve COVID in order to BS sure. their way into the COVID shots. So COVID was over in a normal course of a, of a pandemic or epidemic. Starting January, peaked April 15th, mm-hmm. which is kind of, kind of ironic. Uh, and then it was gone by July. We were all immune. We had herd yeah. immunity. Okay. So yeah, that, and that slide will totally be on your show. As well. you'll, yeah, you'll see that chart. So uh, it's right. It's valid. You can't find it anymore, of course, because it's uh, the, the, the last time they told the truth at the CDC was July of 2020. Everything after that's been propaganda and lies. Yeah, I mean, I certainly would 100% believe that. Um, and I can't wait to look at it. Uh, but back to the question, yeah, we basically mm-hmm. so on her um, on her show we would have you know board certified physicians in good state or good I'm sorry good standing with their states, mm-hmm. and we would have them talk about you know basic just individual health. You know, um, no one was saying don't get vaccinated. No one was saying this. I mean, oh, I did. Twitch kicked us off <laughs> saying, I should yeah, stay the hell I mean, away that's, from that's them. That's absolutely fine. But I mean, yeah. for as far as censorship and what we know, mm-hmm. we we pretty much can and can't say if you don't want to be or if you want to be on social media, big tech. Uh, but I mean, we literally had <laughs> we we started on Twitch. We ended up being the number one streamer on Twitch. Hmm. And six days after us being on there, uh, we were banned because somebody said that, and and Twitch believed it. Somebody said that uh, Wendy stated that you can beat COVID by drinking bleach. I mean, it is the most outrageous <laughs> thing ever. Oh, that was the so, old I mean, uh, even... chloroquine <laughs> argument with the fish cleaning. Sub- I remember how that got started. Yeah. yeah. That's like and saying so uh, What Trump actually said, happened was yeah. we talked about uh-huh. the absurdity of Trump, you know, having that put on him saying, oh, he said to drink bleach. But they then turned that into Wendy stating that, oh, yes, this is a cure for it. And um, so we were, we were crushed there, too. But, but realistically, huh. why I was banned from Twitter was just, you know, citing those things, the absurdities, citing VAERS data, uh, sharing the fact we had guests and things of that nature on that day, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, just their, their side of it. And, um, of course, that was it. And you know what? Again, VAERS data, I don't know if it's true or not. However, we, it's the CDC, so we certainly um, we shared that. And that's pretty much what got me shut down off of Twitter. Hmm. Yeah, I'll tell you, it got me shut down. This is interesting. Um, I'm curious. My next question is going to be why big tech partnered with big pharma um, to actually do this. It's basically fascism. But my story is is, is kind of interesting. I, got, I actually had COVID before I knew what COVID was. Early January 2020, mm-hmm. I've got the shows to prove it. I had the bad cough. Uh, never had the, the loss of the taste and smell. Uh, never had a fever, but I was miserable for about two weeks. Um, a couple of days rest, I was fine. I was trying to work through it and it didn't work. So I had COVID before we knew it was. I got over it. Been immune to it ever since. Never worried about it. Never masked. Never social. None of that stuff. Walked down. Now. Uh, February 25th, uh, one of my dear friends who has, I think, was killed by the COVID shot, Dr. Peter Pry, uh, did our national security report, expert on EMP, nuclear weapons, all that stuff. He got us Bill Gertz. Mm-hmm. So, Bill, so Bill Gertz this is 2020, right? February of 2020, February 25th, Bill Gertz comes on the show and tells us all about the Wuhan lab. So when they're talking about the Wuhan lab now, it's like, we knew about this three years ago. I mean, you guys have really old news. And February 27th, yeah. I, wrote, I wrote a bill, and I'll send it to you, um, that said that Congress can only spend half their money uh, on vaccines, because I knew this was, it was, it was, you don't have a vaccine for a disease that's already here. It takes 15 years to make one. That's about 15 years late. I said, we need to cure mm-hmm. it. We need to treat it. We need to do all kinds of other things. And I looked up how to kill you know, viruses, and I found a bunch of stuff, and I broadcast that. Anyway, so February 27th, I said I wrote a bill. Congress can only spend half their money on vaccines. The other half has to be spent on early treatments. I already had the, the Dr. Didier Raoult study, uh, and I became friends fairly soon after that with Dr. Zelenko through a mutual contact. Um, so I knew, sure. the, I knew the cures, and I knew this was a bunch of nonsense, that we treat this, we cure it. There is no pandemic. It's a bunch of uh, BS. 
March 2nd, I broadcast that. I said, chloroquine is a cure. Uh, before I knew about hydroxychloroquine, I said, this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. We've stopped this now. The next day, my, uh, my views went to like nothing, <laughs> you know, from the thousands of people that were, were reviewing our show on uh, Facebook and then listening to it um, disappeared to like five, <laughs> you know, so the algorithms were already in place, probably from event 201. Sure. So ever since March 2nd of 2020, um, I've been, been, you know, really obscure. And it's only through uh, some amazing folks like Judy Mikovits who takes our vaccine product mm-hmm. liability bill around. Anybody knows about us. We need a breakthrough. We, I need you basically spread the word of our legislation. We've got the cures to all these problems. I just can't get them out there. So that's my story. Um, and so censorship, I'm still under censorship for all the reasons that, uh, that I just told you. So we're kind mm-hmm. of, you know, co-warriors in this battle oh yeah most definitely and you know now I, I, we get a little pushback from this but um you know as a business owner and us trying to actually you know push Wimkin to the forefront we mm-hmm. still utilize facebook we have a facebook page that was shut down twice we restarted it again mm-hmm. um and we've now grown up to about forty-six thousand followers i believe um and some 30 some thirty-five thousand likes so about but you had like 000, nine million you, know, um, you had like nine million right at one point on Wimkin? Um, well, no, that's on our actual Wimkin platform. Um, okay. We have about probably 600,000 daily active on the actual Wimkin app and web uh, version. But on the Facebook page, we have roughly about, I'd say, 80,000 um, people involved on that. And, you know, some posts, <laughs> when we don't put links or we don't do anything, um, you know, political, uh, we, we certainly do, you know, some tests here to see what's getting out there. And those posts seem to get a little more reach, obviously. But you know, out of the 80,000 people these should be delivered to, you know, we go, we get as many as 20 likes. That's it. We used to get three, 4,000 at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, right. you know, it's just yeah, not right getting there. there. And it's, yeah. and you know what, um, I, I, I uh, in, um, interact with, uh, Department of Agriculture head Sid Miller in Texas a lot. And he has over one, I believe he's right around 1.1 million followers on Facebook. It's a, it's a very prominent account. Uh-huh. And, you know, I noticed last night he was sharing things about, you know, uh, Dr. Jill Biden having COVID now, um, which only had oh, about she 37 she got, she, got vaccine, she got the COVID shot. I mean, the COVID shot is designed yeah. to spread COVID. So it's, a, it's the perfect self-perpetuating marketing device because not only does it uh, cause COVID, which is designed to stop, it actually destroys your immune system at the same time. So it's a double mm-hmm. whammy. Yeah. It is. It's, marketing. Um, it's a marketing but, device. You know, so, so which came and, first, and, the, the vaccine or the, or the virus? What do you think came first? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, because uh-huh. let's be honest here, uh, coronaviruses have been around since the 1960s. And before I actually started Wimkin, and one of the reasons I started Wimkin, Wimkin mm-hmm. was a, a site, worldmustknow.com at first, because I wanted to right. tell about my personal stories with COVID. Um, I worked for the second largest insurer in Pennsylvania and also a, um, a health network. And right. in September of 19, we were tasked with putting together protocols for, for a new certain type of test, which ended up being the COVID test. And uh, we also had to come up the with one that doesn't work? reporting. The PCR yes, test? and that's exactly okay. right. Um, and we delivered 130,000 because if you recall um, in Pennsylvania and probably most states, uh, you could only get a test at primary care physicians in the, in the onset. Right. And we had, <laughs> we had, uh, I've had, the way I do, or did my business there was I had, um, you know, a business card, and they said, hey, call me anything like that. Don't call the 1-800 number. Because I went to the doctor's office and set these testing protocols up on their system. Mm-hmm. And it turns out, after we started doing the tests, I got calls from at least six doctors, and they told me, 
we cannot give these tests. And I'm like, okay, not knowing much about what the heck was going on in the world yet because, again, we started this project in September of 19 before COVID was not even known about. Oh. Uh, they well, said we're testing for <laughs> We any... didn't know about it, but it was known. <laughs> anyway. That, that's yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I mean. Um, so, <laughs> But they said, we're, you guys are – you gave us tests for any coronavirus, and, and right now there was, I believe, 68 or 69 known, and everybody usually has at least seven in their body, even though you're asymptomatic. So. Yeah. We had nothing oh, yeah. but positive test results coming back. Those were getting reported, obviously, to the uh, health, uh, county health departments, and that's what started mm-hmm. off the the fear mongering. Yeah, well, because they they cycled it forty times to make it forty times stronger. So even a, a non-infectious viral load was was uh, got a positive test. I mean, it's fascinating. I want to get to I want to get to a big tech before he disappeared because we only have about six or seven minutes. Uh, boy, this is going fast. Um, so I wrote a bill. So what we do here that is unique in the world is that we are the first uh, radio show with a citizen legislature. So just regular mm-hmm. folks can write bills. We can broadcast them. We can get them to folks like you uh, who can spread the word. And the whole idea is to go from the people to media to government, as opposed to special interests, which basically go you know, to government and then to the people. And so they buy their legislation from government, and then they impose it on we the people. So what I'm doing is reversing that, saying, okay, we're going to write the legislation that we consent to be governed by, and we're going to lobby it through government, hopefully, and get it passed, and then we can start regulating the special interests. So it's really a reversal of what's going on. So the tech bill, mm-hmm. um, I, th- I think you got it yesterday. I know it's short notice. Did you have a chance to, uh, to take a look at it? Because I can explain it pretty briefly. I did, actually. Uh, AJ sent me that, uh, actually, okay. this morning. But I, did, I definitely got to, to read it, and it's, it's fantastic. But I, I didn't know specifically how you were structured. That's, fan- that's an incredible you know, idea, obviously. Well, it's pretty and simple. It gives I wrote voice it. to the people. <laughs> that's I mean, how it we're gives a very strong voice to the people. <laughs> yeah, this is, I wrote that one. So, yeah, but that's how we're structured. Most bills <laughs> are written individually, and we work on them on the show. Well, the, the, the thing that was, was beautiful is that I was fortunate enough to discover a formula. You know, you have an introduction. All right, or rationale, why do we want the bill? We post the old law and what we're changing, and then we post the new law. And the beauty mm-hmm. that I found out, the key to the kingdom of, of legislation, is that most times a sentence or two or three or four is all you need to change. And you can change everything. I can change big tech in two sentences. I can end all censorship because I make them liable for when they touch our accounts. That's what this bill does. So what did you find? I, I should, you, wrote, you read it. So what did you find? What do you think? Well, I mean, I found out specifically, I mean, I knew, obviously, because we've had to safeguard ourselves from certain things, you know, from the government, obviously, through those subpoenas. And we've been knowing and looking at the Restrict Act for a while um, as well and how 230 plays into that. But, you know, I, I think you're, you're exactly right when it comes down to obscenity law. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I truly believe that, I mean, these, these companies that you, you hit it on the head, they are basically given governmental power at this mm-hmm. point. And uh, I really like how that stands out, and um, I hope that actually gets into a court one day, or that's certainly in front of politicians. Yeah, where they we want say, a Congress. Hey, this is what we have to do. We want a Congress. <laughs> exactly. You know, Congress is talking. We need we need antitrust laws. We need all these formulas. We need to hold hearings. No, you don't. I freaking gave you the solution. It's right here. It's two lines of law change. Yeah, that's it. It's Part B yeah. of Section Two Thirty C. That's all you have to change. Well, here's because what what they did was they gave exactly right. They gave police powers to. Um, big tech when they never had to because the obscenity laws already law enforcement already has the power to remove things from the internet and arrest the people if you're a pornographer or a child pornographer or if you're publishing obscenity or anything else like that anything that, that uh, big tech has the power to remove already exists in law enforcement and you don't have to make something illegal twice right it's already illegal so you take away their power nothing changes it can still be removed but what i did and this is uh, let me just read this this last here's the key sentence so we we make big tech 
They still have their immunity from liability from what we, the users, do. They're providers and users of what they call interactive mm-hmm. computer services, right? So I am a user, all right? The providers are Facebook, Instagram, you know, all that kind of stuff, Google, in terms of search engines. Yes. So I said, uh, what anybody does with their searches or what anybody posts or, or messages um, or anything like that, that's, uh, they're not liable for that. Because they're not liable for that, they can't touch your account. And because law enforcement can, can be the enforcer of the Internet, they can't touch your account. So all I said was if they do touch your account or your messages or, or your Google search and arrange it with algorithms or do anything to you in any way, shadow bans, restrictions, fact checks, community standards, all that kind of crap, if they do any of that, they lose their immunity and they can be sued. Now, where are the national sure. trial lawyers? I've told them enough times. The national trial lawyers, this is a, this is a multi-billion dollar goldmine for you idiots if they would just lobby our bill and get this through Congress. They can make a fortune off this, suing big tech. Well, just like this. I will be happy to circulate that companies. for you, 100. percent Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> I knew I there's no doubt about that. And um, yeah, and but just isn't that to simple? talk a little bit on that too. Uh, yeah, we've we've had simple. to deal with obscenity law because we've had mm. individuals try to test our capabilities. Um, I don't know specifically because once we provide information to law enforcement, um, you know, we kind of lose it unless we're subpoenaed to come into court. But uh, we mm-hmm. had three instances in our what now, I guess, I guess three years. We just hit three years. Jeez. Um, so in our three Surprise. years of existence, we've had, a, we've yeah. had about three instances where people had, had done something illegal to unfortunately involve child pornography, which no one got to oh. see. But, yeah. you know, we were able to, um, you know, collect the IP address. We contacted the provider of the services. One was T-Mobile and another was one in Arizona um, on those mm-hmm. cases. And, you know, we're the ones that took it upon ourselves to actually utilize the obscenity laws and state, obviously just law too. I mean, it, there, there were children depicted in these things. We um, reported a crime. That's, that's, that's your civic yes, duty. Yes, we reported a, a crime. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. You're not responsible for moving the content. You know, it's like you can't prevent every bank robbery. You know, the only way you can prevent right. bank robberies is by closing the banks. Okay. That'll prevent bank robberies. So what? You know, so, so, so crimes happen. But the question is, when the crime happens, what do you do about it? And the question is, do you remove everybody's rights so that you don't have a crime permitted? And the answer is no. You still try right. to prevent the crime. You're exactly right. Happen. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, tell me more. We've got about like two minutes. Okay, yeah. Uh, so essentially, we worked hand-in-hand uh, hand with uh, specific detectives, and we also worked with uh, a couple different bodies of law enforcement and agencies that work and coordinate things with, um, you know, on the Internet uh, regarding uh, these types of crimes. And, um, you know, it, it was kind of an eye-opener because you really have to start specifically with uh, the provider of the internet the ISP Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of that a lot of times trust me I mean we we didn't we didn't have very let's just say these criminals were really bad at what they were doing because we tracked Mm -hmm. one down to a store actually out in Philadelphia um, where they bought a a track phone but they ended up getting that person because they had that sale recorded at this uh, this place but it was that was a T-Mobile IP address so but it's up also like we can only do so much. You know, we have to go to the provider first and foremost, and they choose whether or not to even respond to you. Mm-hmm. Luckily, the two in question did actually respond to us. The other was Cox Cable. And um, they did work with us, and they did get us into the right areas. And they, they gave us the IP address uh, locations, and we contacted law enforcement locally there, and then they handled it in that regard. But, but yeah, it's uh, it's really insane to me because there is so much of this going on on, you know, uh, Facebook and you know I'm already, I'm going to start calling Telegram big tech at this point in time because there's so much going on there and they're starting to actually uh, coordinate prosecutions with uh, the USDOJ 
So, um, but it, yeah, there's, there's so much misinformation. Oh, no, no, fascism is okay. Yeah. But uh, the cooperation <laughs> between big tech and big government is fascism. And we, we need to start calling yeah. it that. You know, they become state actors. Uh, I promise they get you out of here so we only have a little bit of time. You have to come back. I mean, we just, we're, we're just getting started. Oh, again. sure. I'll be happy um, to. Thank you. So I'll talk to our folks and we'll, we'll get scheduled. I need to send you some more bills too. Or you can just go to writeyourlaws.com. So W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, writeyourlaws.com. And the, where the good bills are, the ones ready for, uh, for sending out, are under the, the menu bar where it says legislation. And then you click down to all proposed laws. Those are the ones we're sending out. Um, the one I'm working on right now is in uh, Citizen Bill Ideas. That's kind of like our committee hearing. Uh, and that bill, I just wrote it this weekend, it's the Investigation Compliance Cost Payment and Government Liability Act, which says that anybody under investigation, uh, they get the same amount of money to defend themselves that the government is spending investigating them, and they get compliance costs, legal fees, you know, attorneys, all that kind of stuff. Um, so it's a way that, to equalize the force of government against people that are simply being investigated and are still innocent until proven guilty. That's major. What do you think? I will definitely take a look at that. Yeah, 100%. I yeah. will do that. And then if anybody wants to find out where we are, it yeah, is Wimkin.com. It's W-I-M as in Mary, K-I-N as in Nancy, dot com. And also you can find us in the app stores because we did, after eight months, beat those bands. And uh, without – the only thing we changed, Greg, was uh, we, we took uncensored out of our name. That is what we were banned for eight months for was the fact they wanted us to moderate content. We said, no, here's why. Uh, uh-huh. We had over 50,000 emails sent from our users to Apple and Google Play. Um, stating that they're not going to use Android phones, they're not going to use Apple phones, and uh, if they don't put us back in, they also sent us about 2,000 real-time screenshots of Facebook and Twitter where there was more violence than was ever depicted on Wimkin. And um, after it was all said and done, all we did was, in our marketing, take uncensored out of our name because, to be quite honest with you, that's true. We're not 100% uncensored because we don't allow porn, we don't allow nudity, and we don't allow any criminal elements in posts. Well, that's that's normal. That's just that's what the law says too. Um, any other yeah. websites, platforms, uh, Facebook pages, anything you want to say, uh, books you've written, anything you're working on. So I'll give you the last like uh, thirty seconds to say that. I know you have to go, but thank you, it's been a pleasure. Sure. Oh, oh, you're very welcome. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, we did just launch Reels. Not really pushing just yet because we want to see what's going on with TikTok bans and things before we actually really put some some big money into such. But uh, we actually have uh, parental controls written in. There's there's different features on there than TikTok, and uh, we don't allow any type of challenges where children are going out and getting hurt, uh, things of that nature. Um, we also have a less political version of Wimkin called Frenzer. You can visit that at <laughs> frenzer.com. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, Wimkin for citizen is legislation? politics only. <laughs> Do you have a place for citizen What's legislation in, on your social media? You know, you, you can no, but we could definitely get you. Um, what yeah. I'll do for you, Greg, is uh, I'll shoot you an email after the show, and we'll set you okay. guys up with a profile, um, and we'll get you a, a Wimkin account, get you on there. We'll uh, announce you to the platform and get you some followers. Bless you. Thank you. <laughs> this would be great. This Thank you. Wonderful. I appreciate you having me. This was a very great conversation. Well, great. Well, good luck with your other interviews, and uh, you, you don't need an invitation. You can always call the show whenever you feel like it. So it's, it's great oh, to well, have thank you. thank you so and, much. Uh, Oh, you're very welcome. We have a lot of work to do. Um, what did I tell you about our constitutional amendment to take away the power of Congress to borrow money? That's another big one. Awesome. I can't wait. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. Talk to you later. All right. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye now. And I promised to get him out of here five minutes ago. <laughs> we were having so much fun. That was a great chat. That was really a wonderful time. So I still got Pianchi on the line. We're going to hash out some more stuff. He's got to immediately make another call. Oh, I, I couldn't believe it. But uh, you know, he'll think about that. And that's gonna be fun. We're going to take a little break right now. I haven't taken a break the entire show. But that was 
fun. I I love my job. I can't help it. All right, be back in a few minutes. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call-in line is 215-383-3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com. W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. Writeyourlaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take, that is Action Radio. Wow. 
That was so much fun. I, I may have to apologize for keeping him right up until his next interview, but uh, I think we're both just having so much fun. It's like, uh, you know, two kindred spirits got together and we just, you know, we, we had the same experience individually. Now we realize that we had that same experience. He's coming at it from a high tech and a much larger organizational point of view, but uh, we can work. He's got the social media platforms and I've got the citizen legislature. I mean, it's a match made in heaven. It, it doesn't get better than this. Pianchi, what'd you think? That was fun. Yeah, a lot of words going back and forth. I know. Awesome. <laughs> I get excited. I talk faster when I get excited. But uh, see, this is where I want to go with this. This is exactly, you know, where what we need. We need to get on these platforms. We need to get visible. You know, Wimkin, I didn't even know about Wimkin, you know, a few days ago. And uh, that's why I said, I'm sorry. I just, you know, where'd you come from? What's going on here? You know, um, because I was curious. And I had this, he has got this whole story of being censored and all this other stuff. And I wasn't aware of it because I was dealing with my own stuff, my own censorship, you know, with Action Radio here. But uh, think of the possibilities, though. I mean, the idea of our citizen legislation, you know, and if he puts a citizen legislation section on Wimkin with hundreds of thousands of views, this is where we go. This is how we become a movement. This is how everything changes and people start thinking in terms of, well, I want a bill that says this. And I, I think this law is a bunch of crap and I'm not going to wait for Congress to fix it. I'm going to fix it. That's where we're going. Everything's going to change. Politics is going to change. And not just, it's going to be worldwide, but there are major changes coming if what happens here can catch on. That's exciting to me. Pianchi? Yeah, people should work as People should work to make laws at the state level. Well, I mean, they should do it at every level. I mean, I, we cover the local school board, uh, city council, county commission, state legislature, and Congress. Um, pretty soon, <laughs> and we cover other countries. We, we have a Bill of Rights for Australia. We cover a lot of different areas. I mean, I'd like to get uh, with England. I'm trying to get Nigel Farage on the show because I want to have an English component. I want to have an English reporter, Australian reporter, Canadian reporter. We need reporters all over the place. We're going to have, at some point, we're going to have people checking in. I'll probably have to go to a four-hour show at some point, which would be expensive, but by that point, I'll be able to do it. Uh, but we need uh, multiple reports from all over the place. I'm going to start shorting people to half an hour. Uh, who knows? It's going to be interesting to see how this develops, but we're, we're poised to explode onto the scene here. And so it's just a matter of time. This is a big step today. Uh, if Jason uh, Shepard likes what we're doing, and apparently he does, then it's just a question of time before other folks on his platform see what we're doing. You know, and, and I get this, I love this confirmation. And I forgot to ask, I didn't have enough time, but I'm curious how he heard about us ahead of time. Um, that's fascinating in and of itself. And so something's going on out there. The word's getting out, you know, and I don't know, we're on like 20 different podcasts, you know, some 50 countries check in. Um, it's just, you know, you don't know where the signal goes. This is a force. This is something different than anybody else is doing. It's, you know, you go to complaining. I should call it complaining radio. Yeah. Conservative complaint radio. <laughs> I write that down. I like that term. Conservative complaint radio. Welcome to conservative complaint radio. What's your complaint? And we don't do that. We got much more, uh, much more positive stuff. Conservative complaint radio. Another thing I wrote down today earlier. So uh, what do you think Congress is going to do when they come back in session next week? Anything? Well, they'll do something, yeah. as they always do. Well, they're going to hold hearings. Congress does, as much, Congress does as much as the states allow them to do, and the state legislatures do as much as the people allow them to do. Well, that's ideally how it works. I'm not. I'm not sure. Uh, if uh, if that were the case, why do we have an illegal government? Why aren't the states refusing so people, to deal with, people, with Washington? People allow it. 
Well, states allow it too. Yeah, I mean, exactly. People are not marching in the streets to remove the illegal Brandon insurrection. And they should be. Let's see, let's see if you use well, transgender yeah. Democrats. <laughs> I think you like my language change. We don't call them rhinos anymore. We call them transgender Democrats. That's yes. funny. <laughs> states allow the illegal uh-huh. Brandon to exist. Yeah. No, I mean, I agree with it. it it's... Um, we, you and I have this discussion all the time, and it, it's, uh, it's a necessary argument, but it's a frustrating one, too, because we know the power resides from the people to the states to the Congress, to the federal government. We know that. We know the Constitution is a contract between the states to create a federal government that is strictly limited, and anything not specifically delegated belongs to the states. But we also know that the states don't exercise their power. We know the states don't restrict their budgets to the federal government. They allow the federal government to walk all over them. They allow the Supreme Court to make dictates of law, which they can't do. They allow the Congress to delegate authority, authority that properly belongs to them. They, uh, they allow that uh, these, these January 6th, you know, and one of the things I want to talk about Jason about is that, and this is one of my big things, there's nothing in the congressional record about what happened for seven hours during January 6th. That's impossible. How can they not have something in the record if there was, in fact, an insurrection? Because they've done it before. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. See, you have to start, when things are raised, you need to put them back there should be a need to put them back the way they was intended to work. Okay. Because if you skip A and B and go to E and F, you're just making things worse. Hmm. No, it makes sense. I'm curious about Wendy Bell, though, because uh, Newsmax. So, uh, you know, maybe I'll be a guest on Newsmax. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> I, I'm just dreaming right now. Don't mind me. I'm, I'm getting really enthusiastic, exciting, excited. The adrenaline is flowing a lot, you know. Um, but uh, it, it's interesting that a lot of advocates have a similar story. We've got a COVID story. We've got a big tech censorship story. We all have these same stories. And whether he's doing a social platform or I'm doing a radio show with legislation, we're all blocked. And the one question I wanted to ask him, I didn't get to, maybe you can uh, um, sort of reason this out with me, is that how did big tech get so leftist? Why is a, a uh, capitalistic free market supposedly thinking that, that benefits from free speech? I mean, ultimately, this is a First Amendment kind of uh, got business. that way. Go ahead. Because a lot of young people that's ill-educated is using it. But how, though? What, what is it about free speech that big tech finds so disgusting? What is it, why do they find it so easy to cooperate with government to limit people? Well, you got a lot of young people mm-hmm. that use social media. They are miseducated or not educated at all, and then you got deviation, deviates that take advantage of it, of them. Okay. That's how they begin. All this begins, all this goes back to a literate public like Cuba had. Cuba had one of the, uh, Cuba's literacy in its population was greater than the United States at one time, if not when greater. When was that? Well, I should look up Cuban history because we have listeners in Cuba, so I'd, I'd be curious. When, 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 when do they have – is this before Batista? How did Cuba get started? Originally it was well, a, with a Spanish colony, right? So, so, Cal, so Cuba started as a Spanish colony back in, what, the 1600s maybe? What was it before then? Yeah, were they were that Cubans? way with Castro. The people was very educated in order to fight off propaganda. So, so Castro was 59. Year of my birth, <laughs> if I remember, 
So Castro took over in 59. Batista was the leader before that. Who was the leader before that? I don't know. Were they, so, so Cuba wasn't a monarchy. It was, a, it was a, basically a, set up like a republic. They had a president. Did they have a Congress? I mean, what was the original Cuban government? I mean, this, would be, this opens up a whole new course of study for me that I hadn't even thought of. So how did Cuba operate before that? They traded with the United States, probably from the 1800s. Remember the battleship Maine in Havana Harbor? Harbor? I mean, we started the Spanish-American War in Cuba. 1890, wasn't it? No, when was the Spanish-American War? Yeah, it was 1890. Mexican-American War was like 1870. So we started the Spanish-American War. Uh, we, we battled Spain for their colonies, the Philippines, Guam. <laughs> Where else? Solomons, I think. Um, American Samoa. <laughs> but Cuba was the big one. Cuba was the big prize. And the Philippines. Cuba and the Philippines were the big prize that we liberated <laughs> from the Spanish. So now they're ours. So I guess they, they used a model. I guess they set up constitutional government you know, from that. So, so was that when they were educated? Well, yeah, they have a, a high education system, especially a medical system. They offer a free medical uh, education and training for doctors from all over the world. Now, do, the they have, do they have taxpayer-funded free medical care before Castro, or was it only after Castro? I, well, I would say that they didn't because uh, Castro offered to – uh, U.S. I think in 2000, 1995 or 2005, one of those years. But no, they had uh, when it came down to fighting off propaganda that starts a lot of divisions within your countries. Uh, they had uh, educated populace that could read through it, mm-hmm. unlike here in the United States where they say that Trump tried to overthrow his own damn government. Oh, people believe it. Well, and, and here's the problem. This is something I want to talk about, Jason, further. The government or the, the, the insurrection that actually stole the government, the, com- the state as we know it, you know, the combination of Democrats completely and Republicans mostly that sent the electors from the battleground states home so that Trump couldn't win. They, they stole the electors. They put forward Brandon electors instead of Trump electors. They refused to have the count. They refused to have the count in Congress. That's how they stole the election. Plus the, uh, all the things that happened uh, you know, with the fraudulent votes. But the fraudulent votes wouldn't have mattered because the battleground states put forward Trump electors. So even with all the fraudulent votes that were cast where Trump actually won, we still could have saved the election with the Trump electors. So the key to this whole thing is not so much the, the vote fraud, which it is. I mean, that's obviously that's critical. But the real key is the fact that Congress stopped the states from putting forward their constitutional right to have their electors, which are the Trump electors, in seven states. That's what stole the election. Yeah. And the people that stole the election are using that power. They're using the government that they stole to prosecute people who say that they stole the election. It'd be like someone saying, hey, I know who robbed the bank. And the bank prosecutes them for saying they know who robbed the bank. (laughs) That's kind of what it's like. So they use those, they use those, they use that power to prosecute people at trial. So why come the jury don't nullify the law? Because juries are told by judges that they can't do that. 
and they're not educated enough to know that they can. I told you that uh, when I had my jury experience, and, I, and the judge says, you must judge the facts in the case. You cannot judge the law. I will tell you what the law says. I said, Your Honor, well, you, excuse you, me. You, no, I was – wait a minute. Hold on a second. I was in jury duty. I was, I was, hold on, let me tell the story because this is kind of cool. This is kind of a cool story. So I'm in jury duty, right? I'm, in, I'm with a crowd about 200 people in the jury pool, and the judge says, You can't judge the law. And I said, Excuse me, Your Honor. I raised my hand. What do you want? I said, Well, you lied. I said, That's not true. I said, We can't judge the law. You know, we represent the people. We're supreme to you, Your Honor, with all due respect. <laughs> of course we can judge the law. That's our job as juries. This is where the laws get tested in actual cases. That's what common law is all about. So how can you say we can't judge the law? You know, and I won't give you all the details, but it went from there. But juries don't know that. And everybody's looking at me in horror. Oh, I can't believe you're saying that to the judge. And then they applauded me for saying that to the judge. So it doesn't take much to tell people what their rights are and their powers are. They just have to be told. But they're never told that. Well, they should know it when they come into the room. Well, that's why we need jury workshops. It's just like DeSantis. It's just like DeSantis turned down the $350 million bribe that, that – uh, Biden offer him. Well, that was a good thing. But you got people saying it's not a good thing because of ignorance. What's going on with that? Because I know that DeSantis refused to meet with Brandon. Oh, do you remember what I was talking to Jason? said, you don't have to say Biden administration or, or President Biden. I said, because neither of those are true. <laughs> I think you got a kick out of that. That was fun. But what happened with the, what, what happened, what was the $350 million? What's going on with that? I'm not familiar. And what it was it had to do something with the, the hurricane? I sh- should have said the damages from the storm. Right. Well, and, I figured uh, that. Apparently, apparently there is an energy recovery program that uh, exists in Congress, exists by Congress. And Biden, when he first went early on, he told the Floridians that we are standing with you uh, in case uh, you know any problems. FEMA can't come into a state unless the governor allows it. Right. Well, let's get back to this, this, this $350 million. People don't understand were, it. Uh, well, that's true, yeah. But were there strings attached oh, yeah. where the money had to be spent on green energy, for example? In other words, $350 million will help you with your energy, but you have to replace you know, power plants with wind farms or, or solar energy things. Was that part of it? Because that would cause DeSantis to reject it, and rightly so. So you can't accept money for things that are, go for bad purposes or stupid purposes. So was it tied to green energy or climate change? Well, yeah, or... that's, you're absolutely right. That's probably where the whole idea came from, using okay. that money. Trump right. tried to use money that was allocated in defense to build a wall, and the promise was different. Well, no, initially it was rejected. And what Trump did was he took money from other places, and apparently he can do that because being the executive, once the Congress allocates the money, uh, he can move it around to different accounts, <laughs> you know, and Congress can object to that. But I'm not sure how that works exactly. You wouldn't think they could do that. But uh, you know, within the Defense Department, I think he, there were funds that he transferred from one account to another and allowed him to build the wall. And I think he was sued for that, and the Supreme Court said, nope, Congress allocated the money. You know, it's his to spend. <laughs> so that's interesting. But that would, that would, be, the, would be the problem. Do you know, do you know Brandon's taken uh, 40% of his time um, that he stole the White House? He's been on vacation. Well, he needs it. He really does. He needs his nap. You know, I mean, uh, actually, I think we're safer. The more time he spends on vacation, the safer we are, expensive as it is. Yeah, uh, well, 
But when you got ignorant people, just uh, be prepared for anything. Yeah. Yeah, I got. To, I want to check out some of these sites of Jason's. He's got Wimkin. Well, we're going to get our own Wimkin. You, you hear that? We're going to get our own Wimkin uh, profile. Isn't that wild? <laughs> I never, I never heard of Wimkin. Neither had I. That's, but I felt the need to confess that I hadn't heard of it. Just because he said, "Well, yeah, we're censored." So well, no, that makes sense. You know, he's heard about us though. And I, I have to. I'll find out an email how he's heard about us beforehand. Not that I mean, a lot of folks have heard about us, but I'm just curious how he has um, being uh, big in social media. So someone must have said something or got around. Uh, he's in Pennsylvania. Uh, I think Gregory Wrightstone's from Pennsylvania also, although I think he's in Washington now. He does the CO2 coalition. But he's got these things here. Wimkin, mm-hmm. Realster, Frenzer. Frenzer Frenzer's funny. That's like the liberal social media site, Frenzer. <laughs> that's, that's, that's all warm and fuzzy. But uh, I'll have to uh, check all these things out. But, yeah, it says, uh, Wikipedia said he was guilty of, uh, you know, trying to start a civil war. And <laughs> I guess it was that, that uh, million man militia thing. Was all about, but uh, yeah. Anyway, we got about ten minutes left. I'm done with pretty much. I wanted all my stuff. We have tomorrow. Tomorrow's a busy day. Tomorrow we got Bill Fecky starting us off with the Fecky report. We got Wendy Arthur uh, with Oh My God report. We got Bonnie Nesbitt. Nesbitt. I got to make her intro shorter. Uh, and then we got uh, Bianca von Krieg with the the Progressive report. It's gonna be a busy day tomorrow. Thursday's wide open though. I don't know what's gonna happen Thursday, but Wednesday's already full. So, well, what do you have to these days? Yeah, time go goes by fast. Oh, it does. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, that's the weird thing, though, is that it does go by that. So fast. I mean, things are happening. But I think we're accomplishing things. I think we have measurable things. Today, it will be a measurable day at Action Radio. We, we actually, I think we really accomplished something meaningful. And let's see where this goes. Let's see where this new platform goes. Let's see if he, if he starts the citizen legislation thing on his website on his Facebook, or on his social media. That could be huge. All we need is people to start talking about this. People think it has to go to Congress first. No, Congress is the last place this stuff goes. But, uh, well, there should be moves to put in the founding, founding principles back in schools as uh-huh. early as possible. And there is material, resource material that can be used to introduce the whole idea to young people as early as a kindergarten, really. But, we should probably uh, put out a workshop. We should probably put out a, 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 like a video series or, or some kind of series on citizen legislation, how to do it, how it works, all that kind of stuff. It'd be interesting to do. Yeah, there's material out there for that. People just don't use it. They really use the things that make the news with illicit materials being introduced to young people at an early age in schools and libraries. Mm-hmm. Well, we're interested in an interesting time of year. This is the, I remember analyzing when things get done. Things get done between uh, Labor Day and Thanksgiving, because after that, it's party time. Uh, they get done kind of in January, you know, February, eh, maybe March, you know, Memorial Day, you know. So you, you've got kind of a January, February slow. So you've got like March to Memorial Day. So only two times a year things get done. I'd say from March to Memorial Day, I think get done. Uh, summertime, everybody's on vacation. And then from Labor Day to Thanksgiving. So we're entering the, one of the two times of the year when stuff actually gets done. So I think there's going to be a flurry of activity in Congress. I think we're going to have plenty to talk about, all kinds of hearings and things. My concern, my biggest concern, is that the Republicans will talk but not do. That, they, that McCarthy will sabotage the impeachment somehow, uh, but you don't impeach Biden anyway. You arrest him. You, you don't impeach somebody who's not president. You, you arrest them for, for uh, stealing the, the White House. 
But they're not going to do that. They'll treat him as president. But that's but it's, this is this is going to be a very interesting time, I think. And if we can make a, a big splash in the national scene with some of our bills, you know, this is this well, is, you this is critical for us too. That's knowing uh-huh. what's going on to promote it, but people that's knowing what's going on get aggravated and pull out themselves, and would dare not get somebody else involved in something that they themselves detest. And all that's brought about is because of you trying to deal with ignorant people. So I know that the, that may not be the way you are. In. You know, there's many groups out there that are doing what you were talking about doing. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got groups in there that's sponsoring uh, changes at the political level. So they're not actually writing. They're not writing bills like we are. They're not. They're not actually writing laws that can go directly to Congress and go directly to committee hearing. Not, no one's doing anything like that except well, us. We had a. We well, yeah. Well, you just don't hear about them. They they do do it, but you just don't hear about them. Well, that could be. Yeah, I know Convention of States is working on some stuff too. Um, yeah, and I, I need to get those folks on the show. So there's, there's a lot of activism out there. We'll see how it gets coordinated together. Uh, I think so you'd be surprised if there's a uh-huh. lot of minds in the country that knows what sh- should be and how things should work. You just right. don't hear about them. You'd be surprised. Like the anti-attacks uh, that we see on, on schools. Well, that's, mass resistance started that back in 2000 on the onslaught of Kevin Jennings and Glensing after the event that was held at Tufts College where they was introducing uh, uh, illicit material and illicit ideology to children as young as 12 years old. So that kicked mm-hmm. that off. It's a big group. So there's groups out there that's doing it. They just don't get to do this. Yeah, makes sense. All right, let me uh, stop the show a couple minutes earlier here. I'll play, I'll play some stuff, and I'll actually get out of here on time. Oh, boy. <laughs> Yesterday, we were, well, I think, remember when we had Laurie on, I think Friday, we ran over like three-quarters of an hour because she was a, a bit late calling in. So uh, I think I might actually end on time today. Thank you, Bianchi. I appreciate oh, it. We're back tomorrow way, with a full day. What's that? I hear there's quite a few scientists that's signing or uh, letting it be known that they don't believe in climate change. Was like fifteen hundred or sixteen hundred? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, climate change is is a is a cult, is a belief system. It's not a reality. You know, because you can't. Uh, and even if it were, what are you going to do about it? Legislate, pass a law. If, if people think that the earth can be changed by somebody not driving their SUV, you got issues. Mm-hmm. You got problems that we we can't fix. You know, there's a there's a disconnect there in reality. You know, you look at Mount Pinatubo yeah. or any volcano. You know, I mean, how much stuff comes out from a volcano? You know how much stuff the Hawaiian Islands are pumping out, Mauna Loa and Kilauea? Do you know how much stuff they're pumping out compared to how much, you know, exhaust comes out of an SUV? And what comes out of an SUV? I just use that as an example, or a truck. What comes out of there? Carbon dioxide and water vapor and some other chemicals that are pollutants. And, and the catalytic converters take care of 99% of that. But for the most part, it's carbon dioxide and water. Well, I can't, if they tried to say that water was a pollutant, people would laugh at them. So they use carbon dioxide. Right? That's probably why they pick yeah. carbon dioxide. Because people laugh at them. They said water is a pollutant. Oh, water coming out of your tail. Probably yeah, helping you create clouds. <laughs> internal combustion engines exhaust have been greatly 
cleaned up. You can oh, yeah, we're down eight percent cleaner. The last one percent. You can't smell nothing. Yeah, and the, and the, well, I, I got passed by a 1972 Dodge Dart um, Sunday. I can <laughs> smell it. You know, and my family used to own a 1972 Dodge Dart, so I, I drove one. So I took my driving test, and it was a 1972 Dodge Dart, right? So I, I know about these things. Anyway, you, you can smell the exhaust because it was an unmodified engine. In 1972, they released a whole lot more pollution than they released now. Cars are so clean now in comparison, you can't smell a car when it drives by. That's how clean they are. That's a good thing. You know, some environmentalists you want. Shut the hell up and go home. Dodge Dart. You yeah. should have carjacked it. Well, no, I, at the time it wasn't that new. This was 76 when I was driving it. 77. I was no, driving. you said you seen it the other day. I did. No, I actually gave him a yeah, thumbs up. you should have called that. No, I don't <laughs> carjack. I'm going to get a, I'm gonna get my car. Him, what? You should have offered him a thousand dollars for it if I was sold. No, you are you kidding? Car like that? No, this is in good shape. No, that's a, that's a family heirloom. I think they're probably the original owners. You'll see that sometimes. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was a great car. It seemed to have all its power. It was doing well. But you could smell it. It drove by and went, and I was like, oh, I know that exhaust smell. That's a 72 Dart. You know, I mean, but, but cars are so much cleaner now. So, and actually, I never thought about this until we just talked about this. But the, the main components of tailpipe exhaust are water vapor and carbon dioxide because they've cleaned up everything else. So if those are the two things, this is my 10-second warning, if those are the two things coming out of the tailpipe, like I say, if they tried to say that water vapor was a pollutant, people would have laughed at them. So the only option was to say that carbon dioxide was a pollutant. That was the only thing left. We only had a choice of those two. So they made carbon dioxide the pollutant, and people stupidly believe it because they don't know the carbon cycle because they forget their high school uh, chemistry and biology if they ever had it. On that note. What if you don't have that in school to notice? If you had chemistry, biology, COVID would probably went no place. I would have had it. I mean, I had that in school. I had the carbon cycle. I haven't. I have to look yeah, but it's not. You know, it's not. But, it's not commonplace in the education of kids nowadays in school. And if it had, the kids grew up, became adults, then COVID would have been sold quite as easy as it was. Well, it was sold through fear, and we talked about that. I'm going to. Get, I'll be curious to see what Jason says when he gets his uh, his link to the show. All right, sir. We have to go. We'll do it again tomorrow, and I'll talk to you then. All right. See you tomorrow. All right, take care. So Greg Pangles here for Action Radio. Um, I'm going to play my uh, – it's going to be doing this twice now. It actually works works out, I think, to have the information twice. So I'm going to play our information, uh, contact information, and then a couple of announcements, and then our classical musical selection that I always end the show with. And I'll be back tomorrow, 7 a.m. Central Time. And uh, it's going to be a busy day, busy Wednesday, and we will do it all again. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call-in line is 215-383-3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com. W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. Writeyourlaws.com. 
This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. This is Greg Penglis for Strikeforce, your source for pure energy. Strikeforce is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strikeforce, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code, WYL, to the discount code window at checkout. W-Y-L comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engine. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. 
We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.